everybody i do believe we are live welcome to another episode of the break the rules live stream i'm your host love polyakov and we are here to talk about migration immigration legal illegal documented undocumented and we are going to be talking about this today debating about this today rather with uh two old comers of the stream but they are young at heart especially since both of them have kids and i think that does kind of play a role in making you young i bet you guys would agree uh but uh, we got counterpoints connor and we have dave aka the distributors joining us today welcome fellas and of course for all of you guys tuning in don't forget to like subscribe smash that bell and uh, leave a comment and all that good stuff and also be sure to go to levslens.com my substack i've become a really good writer so be sure to check out the substack I have a new article about a certain uh, organization uh, of my people, you could say, that I don't think's been on the straight and narrow, if I'm being quite honest here. But at the same time, I also uh, look into the uh, malevolentless of the gentleman whose picture you see on the screen there. But anyway, that's going to be for later. Uh, before you go to Substack, you're going to watch this. And this is a very dire issue right now. From what I understand, the border, it's been... Uh, it's been uh, being penetrated through quite a lot. And let's start with uh, Dave, your kind of lay on the land or what exactly is going on here? Uh, with with migration generally? Yeah, with migration, I'd say of the illegal variety first, as far as people going over the border. It, What's the situation in the U.S. right now? Well, I, mean, I don't think there's a really big difference between legal and illegal immigration, to be quite honest, with the crisis it's providing. The fact of the matter is, is that there is going to be a billion new people in Africa. Most of them want to live in Western Europe or in America. Do these countries have the will to keep these people out or the moral justification to keep them out? And if the answer is no, then Europe will become a majority African continent, along with probably North America. Uh, if the numbers are correct as they stand right now, or and uh, the systems that support these places will probably collapse. Uh, that's what we're staring down, and the governments that are in place right now, supported by the U.S. State Department, largely are encouraging this immigration in one form or the other, and there doesn't appear to be any way to stop it because our leaders don't have the will to stop it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the question is, does, does, any, <laughs> does any leader really have the will to actually push back on this? Uh, I'm not so sure even public opinion plays a role because the public's been against this stuff for mm -hmm. 60 years. And it's kept on coming. So I guess we have to prepare for the world that comes when the, the these systems fall apart, which they inevitably will under this immigration. Uh, and people who are loyal or appreciate the original native cultures of these places are going to have to find some way to preserve these things in a new world. Well, like uh, the great Smash Mouth said, they all start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the <laughs> rules and they hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. With that being said, uh, counterpoints, do you agree with Dave's uh, estimation of what's going to happen? And specifically, I want to focus on America here because like Europe, that's I think it may be kind of a different ball game. But anyway, let's at least start with America here. So counterpoints, go ahead. No, I mean, we can take it where you want to take it. Uh, and when it comes, I do think that these are different immigration problems. I actually do share some of the concern of Europe being stomped on. Reason why is they have abysmal, abysmal birth rates. I want to say it's between like, depending on the country, it's like 1.13 and like 1.6. Uh, there's almost nowhere on the continent that has any kind of positive uh, demographic birth rate. And any positivity is including immigrants. 
Um, so you basically have Europeans, uh, like Northern Europeans, white Europeans, they're, they're going to become minorities in their own countries. And it seems so far that the only people that care about that are Hungary and Poland. But it also seems like the policies that they've implemented to up their birth rates uh, have not functioned at all. I think you basically saw like a temporary boost in Hungary and then you saw it go back down as well. Uh, so it doesn't seem like public policy has much to do with it. Uh, people just like they like their Funko Pops. They like condoms. They like Playstations. They, they don't want to have a lot of kids. So, um, you know, it's a demographics issue. And then I think what's happened effectively without consultation with the general population is Western leaders have done the math on our social safety net uh, systems. And they've said that the math doesn't work unless we have perpetual growth. So as a result, we're going to use immigration as a way to push the can or kick the can down the road from an economics model. And, you know, they basically know that they have to bring these people in in order to make the money work. Whether or not these people can be fully integrated when we're talking about Hispanic immigration, I think it's different than uh, North African and African immigration. Whether or not West Africa is going to be able to immigrate to Europe and the United States, I think is a different question. Um, and I also think that the quality of immigrant uh, if you're talking about banning immigration, legal and illegal entirely in order to preserve uh, some, you know, homogenous original culture, I think that's probably a losing battle. If you're talking about targeting immigration so it's more intelligent, so maybe you preserve the economic models for a longer time, but then you actually bring in productive members of society who help perpetuate a culture. Um, I think that's a different question entirely. And I think good policy could could get us there. So I could rant for another five minutes, but I'll leave it there. I don't think I don't know what the heck you just said. I mean, do countries or do countries not have the right to lower immigration or say immigration can't come to preserve their cultures? Yes or no? Of course they can. You said it was a losing battle, but that's worked in Asia, it's worked in Israel, it's worked in every country outside of North America and Western Europe. Why aren't is North America Israel, and Western Europe? I wouldn't necessarily say is, Israel is a good example here. Okay, well, well yeah. you could say China. Okay, whatever. Like yeah. the, there are. I don't think China is a good example either. Oh, but okay, so oh. all of Asia is a bad example. <laughs> Well, Japan well, would be a good example. Every, guess, right? It's just like it's like every every example of people. Were let me let me let me ask you. So when you're when you're talking about when you're talking about positive, okay, positive is obviously like a broad term. What what is what is positive for you? What do you mean positive? You were saying that they need to be able to preserve their host cultures, and you cited a whole bunch of countries that you think are doing it better. So what what is the advantage that these cultures have that you are envious of? they restrict immigration to i mean japan has virtually no mass immigration into it neither does china neither does korea these places have yeah, long bottom they... birth rates if they had any if korea had i mean korea mm -hmm. has lower birth rates than anywhere in europe does if they had any immigration mm -hmm. from the outside there they would be immediately replaced in one generation but the the, okay. the government doesn't do it well, if we could agree on some things that are going on in a lot of these homogenous societies, like if we're talking about Korea or Japan, or if we're talking about the uh, Baltic states, for instance, there is a certain level of uh, trust. Now, I would argue that, that trust is a civilizational level. I don't know if uh, counterpoints you would make that argument as well, that people are just at a certain level of civilization where they all kind of know each other and trust each other, and anything like genetic-wise, that's um, not the most important thing here. Would you agree with that or no? counterpoints well i mean i think we need to i think we need to get to the you know what is definitionally the problem i know you were focusing on america's ver or america versus europe 
so what's definitionally the problem? So I would say that some of the problems that we cited, like, or what some of the problems in the places that we cited, like Korea, like Japan, like China, is that they have insane population density. They have rock bottom birth rates. They have parts of their economy that are probably not going to be perpetuated in the future and will be some sort of uh, stagnation and, and stagnation and collapse. And so maybe if you don't care, I mean, like GDP isn't the only thing that you should care about. I agree with that. But at the same time, like, are we going to be talking about just having ghost towns in a certain city? Are we talking about cutting back on social spending for the elderly and for children because the mathematics don't work? What are we talking about? Are you asking me? I still don't know what your position is, counterpoints. Are you are you talking about restricting mass migrations coming into Europe? Or are you talking about continuing it? And there's uh, well, I mean... Mm -hmm. Like, I'm obviously, I obviously think that mass migration is a bad idea because the, the predicated mm -hmm. economic growth that just sits in these programs, it's predicated mm -hmm. on a model that says that the economic output of an African migrant is going to be more or less equivalent to a native born child, which is not going to be the case. And we could argue for the reasons for this, but just won't be the case. And so all of these models. No, I agree. Go, so, okay, okay, great. So, so then this whole, then this whole, like this whole, we need these African migrants to sustain social security or social security. That's like a bullshit argument. So we can just take that right off the table. These programs like social security. Why would you take that right off the table? Because these, because the migrants aren't going to have the economic output to sustain this Ponzi scheme unless you bring in like 10 times the amount they're coming in right now. Because their economic trying? output. I'm being sarcastic, but isn't that what they're trying? Yeah, that's what they're trying, but like they're going to destroy the, they're going to destroy the the infrastructure of their country, and so the economic, the economic yeah, the GDP went up. Prosperity. I can't tell if you're uh, joking or not. Counterpoint. I'm joking. Okay, oh, listen. Okay, but, like, there's oh, okay. a like presumably you believe something like serious about yeah. this topic, right? Yes, oh, like, there is something. Well, then, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get to that serious. Yeah. Like, this also, counter, counterpoints. Like, by the way, your connection is really bad right now. I don't know if something could be done about that, but you're. You're glitching uh, out, so that's the only other thing that uh, has to be fixed over here. Because I don't, un, yeah, because I don't think Dave is able end. to ta uh, tell. Yeah, because I don't think Dave is able to tell the subtle expressions on your face, maybe when you're being ironic or not. But uh, I think that's dead on my end. Y'all are crystal clear. So am uh, I literally pausing for extended periods of time? You're not pausing, but you're kind of glitching out. Like Dave, you're able to hear what he's saying, but it's sometimes it's still yeah. Face, man. Yeah. So no uh, problem. No problem there. So we'll. Uh, Allow me to articulate because th this was one of the things I was curious about in the conversation coming into it. Uh, because level, like, hey, you want to do an immigration debate against uh, the distributors, and I was like, well, we might be closer than you think. I'm not. I'm not open borders. I'm not neoliberal. I'm not, you know, neocon. You know, like, like I don't think that, uh, like you said, some of these models are predicated on the fact that you're literally going to be swapping people out like their their utils ca calculation. And like a West African migrant with a fucking EIQ is going to be the identical economic output of a 120 IQ fucking Swede. I don't think that shit at all. I just think that what ha what is happening is that it was a bad calculation. They're doing the best that they can with it, which is still terrible. And Wait, then the I'm more worried. Hold on. on. Well, yeah, I think that there's probably a bunch of utilitarian technocrats at uh, the WEF or the United Nations or whatever who are trying to make the math work. That's what I think is going on. They're making the math work based on model with faulty assumptions that you yourself just told me. I agree. Yeah, I agree. A math they, based on faulty assumptions is not good math, no matter how much computation cycles you put into it. 
Sure. I mean, I agree. But at the same time, we're also okay, so, like sociology and governance, and we're talking about people trying to make economies work. We're not talking about a rational, pure, like scientific lab coat fucking formula. Okay, but this this indicates that the current model of immigration is completely insane. Okay, so I think that Western Europe and the United States of America have different problems with different factors. So do you want to focus on one to talk about? It's more or less, a, I don't see a big difference, so I don't care, but I think- Why Europe don't you see a big difference? It's more or less the same issue going forward. I mean, I, I guess you could say that, you know, Europe has a little bit thicker cultures and there are their birth rates a little bit lower, but- America has has essentially non-replacement birth rates as well. And, and it's been going the... it's been going precipitously down, so we'll hit Europe eventually. So well, we're looking you at this like a 20 e year off time economic, set, so. You think the economic productivity and the ability to integrate into uh, American society for Central American and South American Hispanics is the same as West Africans? Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it's similarly not the same. It's similarly lower than the native population. So the problem of the social security isn't solved. I mean, the, the, the only way you could get the productivity I mean, let's up is let's, like, let's you, know, you could that. migrate in uh -huh. like, you know, you, I mean, first of all, I don't, I don't agree with the, I don't agree with the premise that, you know, you, you destroy countries, cultural stability and economic stability. So GDP line can go up, which is insane. But the the only way the numbers would rationally make sense is if you continuously imported like, you know, PhDs from China or something like that, which, you know, Canada has a policy that's similar and that, that, that those that economically, at least number wise, that makes sense. But like the, these people who are coming mm -hmm. in right now across the board, the majority of them are educated. They're not going to have the lifetime earning of an average American citizen. So this idea that uh, the Ponzi scheme of social security is going to be buoyed up by this population is nuts. And, and, and okay. You could argue that it's a difference in quantity. Like it's more nuts in Europe to believe that this could happen well, in the United States. Don't but you also think that we problem. have different economic? Don't you think that we have different economic demands than Western Europe? I mean, like we no, actually have pretty again, high population density. Hold on, let me articulate something because I I start like a concept, and you're like, I don't think that, and it's like, let me say why I think that. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure that we have infinitely space infinitely more uh like we're the breadbasket of the world we have the capacity to be we have plenty of labor pools required that are low skill uneducated and not just that like central and south america are spanish colonial societies these aren't like wildly alien totally culturally disparate societies we're talking about a parallel society between northern european colonialism in Spanish colonialism. So unless all, you have all these distinctions are distinctions huge... in quantity, not quality of the thing. It's the same. Okay, problem. so so you think that Mediterranean immigration and colonial cult is like a totally alien culture that completely incompatible. I, I, said, nothing, I, said, I said nothing about alien cultures. That was never part of the uh, that I laid out for you. I said I said specifically we're talking said, about the said, annihilation of the domestic cultures. Making yeah, the, it's sufficient that they're different. They are not the same culture as the domestic culture. I mean, I no, I, I'm, very fond, I'm very fond. I'm very fond. I'm very fond. Oh, come on. Wait, by the way, uh, no, real I don't want to walk you down the desk. I don't want to walk you down the desk arguments, but no, go ahead. Is, Hold on, real quick, for the viewers. Real quick, for the viewers. For the viewers. What even is British culture? What even is German Hold on, before we get to the I can articulate what it is. So don't get offended, just articulate it. No, no, what is Italian culture? 
What is Italian culture? I would say it's fucking balls being Mediterranean and kind of an asshole. That's what I'd say. Okay, great. And America is like hick culture with pickup trucks and whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Just all this name qualities of it. And Wait, then that hold on, Condor. Say, can like, you turn this, your this camera idea, on? Tell me, so tell me what it is. Hold on. Tell me what hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Connor, Connor turn your camera off. You got to turn huh? your camera off because otherwise your sound is glitched as hell. And I don't know why it's happening, but I think turning the camera off hold is going to help. Hold on, Lev. I, I want to kind of ask, ask you, you, when I ask you what... Dave, Dave, Lev, yes. or Dave, is my camera and is my audio glitched for you? It's glitched for me, yes. It's glitched for me, lot. too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay so uh, look. I'll change yeah. my look, settings. Counterpoints, when I, when I asked you what Italian culture was, you listed three stereotypes off. This is the bullshit destiny argument where everyone knows what the concern is when it comes to cultures mm -hmm. being destroyed through immigration. Everyone knows this. And to, to just say that, like, you have to give me every single quality of a culture before we can talk about the problems that come with cultural placement. That's like, that's a bullshit destiny argument where you keep on asking for more and more definitions. I won't and, ask you for more and more. I'll okay, ask so, you for so, 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 so if I, if I gave you three American stereotypes, like you gave me stereotypes of Italians, would that suffice to answer your question? No. Okay. So, so you said something that I want to nail down on. Okay. You said that everyone knows what is what the concern is when we're talking about a domestic culture being annihilated. I think the United States of America is in a different cultural position than Europe. So, what I would like you to do is, I am a part of the domestic American culture. I think there's probably 20 different domestic American subcultures in the United States of America. Fine. But I would like you to articulate what part of the American culture you are worried is going to be annihilated. That what's what, okay, but can 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 I this is the literally the destiny argument counterpoints, by the way. Like I'm asking I, you a fucking question. It's not even shut the fuck up, you idiot. You whoa, shut whoa, the fuck whoa, up. Whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on, listen, listen. Hard. This is a stream of peace. We don't need to use you're these the stupidest person I've ever have had a debate with in my entire yeah, okay. career. Okay, no, 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 listen, listen, That's guys. Surprising. You gotta respect uh, no, no, each other I'm here. Serious. No, like, wait, let me check you. I asked you a can you can you I asked you a question. So if I just if I just said counterpoints, if I just said that what I feel like is a piece of American culture would be something like an attachment to the story of the founding of this country and the, the pioneer culture, the pioneer story that every, all kids hear about in school. That's an element of American culture that most people share, right? Not all subcultures share about it. Actually, very few people. And do you think America I'm going to say that's stupid because you're projecting my answer yeah, onto me before I even say it? I'm not so a progressive, why, you retard. Why, Wait, hold why, on, one why, at a time. Could, why couldn't you supply that answer yourself? Why did Why did I have to? Just, I could have also said something like a dedication to you know so an idea about, of exploration or something like that. Like I could sit less anything. Okay, so or I how about how about we stop right here? How about we stop right here and you stop projecting my answers onto me before I even say them? Okay, because what I would say if you had said. I think that in particular, Anglo-Americans in this country, and as a result, we've all been raised on pioneer narratives of European forebears, and I'm worried that this is going to disappear. I'm not destined. I'm not like a moral nihilist. Shut the fuck up Shut and wait for me to say wait for me to say it, and then you can respond to what I've said instead of projecting whatever you think I'm going to say into I'm what I've said. I'm waiting for a coherent answer, counterpoints. Yeah, sure. So I would say is 
that the Spanish colonial project that took over Central and South America is also a story European colonialism and exploration. So I think that these parallel cultures could be knitted to into a national narrative that makes sense. In considering the vast majority of the immigrants that are coming to the United States of America are from Central and South America, I think this is a cultural conflict that could be rectified that doesn't destroy either one. Respond to that. All cultures have similarities, but they're not the same thing. And the idea okay. that you could just, the idea that somehow, like, I mean, essentially, you're giving me the interchangeability argument with more steps. Look, I don't dislike, Except for I don't think Muslims or West Africans are interchangeable. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, time, listen to me now, okay? I'll listen. Okay. This, this is just the interchangeability argument with more steps involved. I really appreciate Brazilian and Argentinian and Colombian culture, but it is not the same thing as Texan and New England culture and Middle American culture. And all mm. cultures have similarities. There are similarities between West African culture and Italian culture. There's tons of similarities. Uh, but the similarities, and, and you can weave them together. Over hundreds of years, you could weave together Western African culture and Italian culture. But this, these similarities do not mean that you can just poo-poo the distinction of cultural differences when you, when you essentially demographically transform a, a country or a state in 20 years, which is what we're looking at right now. That's what I'm talking about. And, you know, other than destiny arguments, this never gets answered. Okay, there are similarities between mm -hmm. there are similarities between Guatemalan culture and and WASP Texan culture. Congratulations. That does not mean that they have inner interchangeability or the loss of one is going to is going to be meaningless. And, and this stark demographic transformation is just going to absolutely be the destructive force in the 21st century. And you can already see this. Before Connor answers, okay. hold on, before Connor, before you answer, you are still glitching out. I would highly recommend just turning the monitor off. If you turn the monitor off, the sound's probably going to be better. I don't know what else you could do in the settings, but you've been glitching out. Anyway, uh, go for it. Okay. So y'all can hear not glitchy anymore. Ah, it's still better. it's still a little bit glitchy. Again, I don't glitchy. know I don't know what's happening in the settings there and uh but uh see, let's see. It doesn't make sense. I have a I have a very expensive microphone. I have a decent internet connection. I don't know what the fucking problem is. I don't now it's a little bit better. And by the way, everybody, if you're enjoying the show, okay. be sure to subscribe and like and patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron today and get more of this hot, hot, hot action that Dave and Counterpoints have been uh Okay. But seriously, guys, you know, you, I so, think you agree on a lot. But anyway, go for it. Are you okay. against mass migration then, counterpoints? Like, can we of get course I'm against mass migration, yeah. I don't think okay. you should take unlimited amounts of fucking people into a country overnight. Of course, How do you define mass migration? I would say 300,000 people in a fucking month is probably mass migration. Okay, do you believe that we should try to stop the demographic transformations of these countries? America or Europe? Either one. And I don't see the difference between the two of them. I, I the distinctions you've been listing have not been clear to me, okay. other than to, other than to assert kind of weirdly mm -hmm. that the similarities between West African and Italian culture are big. The differences between Guatemalan culture and WASP New England culture are small, which is just an argument on quantity. And I just don't I don't even necessarily see the moral distinction. Okay, so I'll try to articulate it. So I think that. It comes to Europe. There are ethnicities that have formed over hundreds, if not thousands of years. When you're talking about Poles, when you're talking about Ukrainians, when you're talking about Russians, when you're talking about French, you're talking about Anglo, 
These are people who have largely organized and become a part of a geographic region with a like a language that they can trace back hundreds of thousands of years. And they also have a Christian cultural heritage that they can absolutely trace back 2,000 years. And they even have like pagan cultural roots that they can trace back thousands of years. I think that when it comes to the United States of America, we actually have a relatively more unique founding in the fact we're not just white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. We're also Ulster Scots. We're also Celts. We're also Scandinavians. We're also Nords. We're also Mediterraneans. We're also Hispanics. There's Oh, we're also West African, by the way. So there's a shitload of things in the United States of America that says that we have a civic nationalist charter that integrates multiple ethnicities and largely badgers them culturally into the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant conception of work. I'm not a wasp. I'm a Celt. And so I think that we could go to the parallel colonial story of the Hispanics that are coming to the country and say, hey, you fuckers, you want to live in the United States, you're going to integrate our culture. You're going to culture, our Who's language. Culture? What does integration the, the, into American culture? America. Wait, 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 let me, let him well, I, 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 would, this, I uh, always bring this up, and there's okay. never a good answer. What does, you other than, other than learning time. the language and being nice and following like the corporate HR principles, what does integration into American culture mean? Go. I would li- I would literally say liberal institutionalism, speaking English, and working your job, paying your taxes, said- and not committing crime. Okay. Well, so it's basically just speaking English and being nice and following HR guidelines. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's bullshit. It's the same culture as every other place. I would also that's yeah, that, 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 actually really interesting. Speaking the every other place paying taxes is speaking. What's every other place? Tell me. Okay, look. If, if I were to say like, oh, what everywhere is liberal. Shut up, contrapoints. Listen for once in your goddamn life. Look, I've been listening to you the entire fucking time, bud. No, you just don't have any. The problem with contrapoints, you just don't have any ideas. You you don't think. All of I think these places fucking time, motherfucker. One at a time. You're not that smart than me. So fuck off, fucking. No, I, I am bullshit. not. I, you're right. I'm not very smart, but I'm smarter than you. Uh, the the <laughs> doubt. No, um, I, that's actually not much of a compliment to myself. I just don't think you have any ideas that are worth anything. Um, the uh, the 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 uh, uh, yeah. Look, counterpoints. Think about for this for more than a few seconds, okay? Uh, the the. Uh, Every so your idea of American culture is just so simulation just follow the law, make money, pay taxes, and speak English. That's what every other culture requires. If I were to assimilate into English culture or British culture or Canadian yep. culture, I say, what does it mean to assimilate into Canadian culture? Well, speak English, pay your taxes, work. So America, England, Canada, all according to this assimilationist model, all have the same goddamn culture. Why do you think that is? Please give me that, Mr. Fucking Genius. Because that <laughs> what do you mean why I think that is? That's because that's because the immigration system can't actually get people to assimilate into a broader hold on. culture because we don't hold have concept on. of ourselves. You hold on, you dense stupid fuck. What do Canada, England, and the United States share in common culture? Oh my god, but it, and in France it'll be French. They say where are they sourced from? 
Where is it's from? English. It's it, but it's the same thing. What, okay, and what is okay, one of Germany, the largest governmental contributions? And what is one of the most historical and largest contributions in history of England? So, according to you, all of these people have the same culture because they share those three things in common counterpoints. Is that what literally we're saying? The, the three things. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me pull you down. Yeah, my this is why you're not thinking about any of this shit. No, 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 like, no, no, like no, no. Question, shut the question. fuck up. Shut the fuck up and answer the question. What is the largest cultural contribution of England to the fucking world? The, the language, but that's that's immaterial to the question I just asked you. Okay, you're actually retarded. It's liberal democracy based on a Republican model. <laughs> okay, no, whatever, please, fine. No, 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 please. Tell me how I'm historically wrong when Rome exported republicanism. Right? Hold on, shut up, shut up. When Rome exported common law and republicanism to all of Europe, Europe spent a thousand years trying to rebuild the Roman Republic. England largely succeeded wait, wait, in it, on. created Can't liberal. Hold on, shut up. Liberal democracy, and then exported that to the world. Did you just tell me that Rome exported republicanism to the rest of Europe? Where do you think common law in England comes from? Co common law. Well, uh, there's obviously a concept of Roman law, but this idea that that republicanism is descended uh -huh. from Rome is silly. I'm mean, come the fuck on. Okay, fine, whatever you want to say. Hold, hold on, hold on. You don't get to dismiss that. You don't get to dismiss that out of hand. Never, okay. What do you think? What do you think? No. What do you think? That England literally based like the Magna Carta in their the House of Commons. What do you think their rule of law came from? I have no idea what point you're making. It's all, literally every, the every, Roman Republic, you dense fuck. So you're talking about cultures. System, every you're talking about cultures that you need to understand. Every system of law comes from previous systems of law. Duh. It's immaterial to the fact that when I tell you, ask you what culture uh -huh. you want to assimilate into, every single mm -hmm. culture has the same three criteria, meaning that the process you're promoting through this assimilation is just a process of homogenization. Since every culture, every every mm -hmm. country that does this assimilation has bare bones, minimalistic standards for cultural assimilation that don't actually touch on the culture. Assimilating into American culture and assimilating into Canadian culture are the exact same thing. You never know if one assimilated into one or the other. The same thing is true for England. The same thing is true for France and Germany swapping out. Not to Franklin. not Japan though, right? Like if you were to assimilate into uh, Japan, Japan, Japan is not experiencing mass migration, so this is not something that we can do a comparison. With. No, no, but I am kind of. But in the country, but I am curious. Like in that situation, also, yeah, yeah, all countries that do mass migration counterpoints are claiming that they're doing assimilation. The assimilation. When uh, up front, though, they tell their populations that they're going to be just like you. They're going to have the same values. They're going to have the same food preferences, whatever. They're going to have the same economic productivity, which is bullshit. And in the meantime, all the requirements actually are is make money, follow the law and speak the language that we do trade in. Right. Which in most places is English. In some places, it's like French or German. So this process of that cultural simulation is not cultural simulation. It's a simulation into a globally homogenized corporate culture. It's not a simulation into the culture of these countries specifically. It has nothing to do with the unique cultural elements that I want to preserve and that most people who talk about these things want to preserve. So bring this up as some kind of fig branch. It's idiotic. Before, uh, okay. be wait, before counterpoints you answer, I have one uh -huh. way that I may be able to kind of bridge the divide here. If somebody were to become a migrant to Japan, let's say, 
I think it would be beneficial for them to learn about uh, Buddhism, learn about Shintoism, and be able to learn like what exactly it's like as close as possible to look through the eyes of uh, somebody who's been living in Japan. And it's probably not going to be that easy because it's pretty different culture. But there are still certain things that I think you can get used to. Another point I would bring up is child rearing. I think that there are big differences in how people from one culture would rear their children versus another culture. And I think that also has to be taken into account beyond the things that counterpoints you uh, mentioned. But yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, like, I think there's there's plenty of things that are are required in order to integrate into a broader culture. My point isn't like, like I as a part of my opening argument. Hold on, Dave, relax your fucking jock, all right? So, so number one, keep, keep on, you keep, keep, keep trying, keep keep up, counterpoints, keep up. This you keep fast. telling me to keep up. You literally are ignorant of European history, so I don't know who you're <laughs> oh, telling to yeah, keep of up. Uh-huh. So okay, yeah, so so hold yeah, on. Rome's- Republicanism to Europe. Okay, go go for it. You stupid dense fuck. Okay, this okay. is literally stop, true. Stop spurging out and make your point counterpoints. Go no, for no, it. No, 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 no. Because because you're being it. haughty. No, no, no. This is annoying the fuck out of me. Because yes, you're being haughty. Because you're being it. haughty, but you're wrong. I'm so sharp. Okay, one at a time. Okay, counterpoints. No, so no, no, no. So, so let's make explain. this point. Charlemagne, one of the greatest rulers Charlemagne of the France. What do you think he's trying to restore? The fucking rule of law, republicanism, and literacy that the Roman Republic brought into the modern fucking world. So you're talking about a French person. Yeah, you're talking about a French person who literally dicks up the Roman Empire so fucking hard that he wanted to reinstitute it in France. And you're smirking and smiling like I'm fucking wrong. But you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Everyone wants to restore Rome, but that's not the claims you made in the previous sentence that I'm currently laughing at. It was another okay, claim. Okay, well, what's the claim? The uh-huh. Republicanism start, but go on. We're off topic. The what do you think Republican is? What do you think Republican is? Is a system of government that was abolished largely before these places assimilated into the Roman Empire. Okay, and what? So, so definitionally, what Republicanism is? What do you mean? You mean Roman Republicanism? Just Republicanism it's a, it's in a, general. It's a form of oligarchy where stakeholders are uh, basically the ultimate sovereigns of a country rather than a central monarchical figure, like Charlemagne, so, for instance. So rule, rule of law and representative democracy? No, no. Rule of law is different than republicanism. They're fundamentally different concepts. Uh, monarchy you're, you're wrong, but but okay. I, I think you guys are getting into the weeds here. I want to k- take it back to what we were talking about before with, yeah, uh, yeah, with we the immigration. The Go ahead. Okay. I'm, I still don't like the, the position of counterpoints. No, no. I think this is definitely something that's bridgeable over here. So we were talking about the Romans. And counterpoints, you were talking about the Roman mm-hmm. rule of law. Okay, that's all well and good. But what about all those little gods that the Romans were worshipping? Or the big gods or the shrines, and then that got replaced by Christianity. Yeah, fuck it. Christianity still... kicked their ass. No, but that's not the point. The point is, is that before Christianity, they were having some kind of a hive mind with these gods. And after Christianity, they have a hide mind with uh, Jesus and the saints. But they still had mm-hmm. something more than just following the law like you were talking about. And I think that's what gets uh, Dave's goat over here because they're 
should be something more than just obeying the rules in order, I think, for those rules to be obeyed in a certain way and for people to kind of recognize each other as being part of the same thing. You could say it's religion, but I think it goes deeper than religion. I think it's mythology. And I think there's a way for people sure. to connect with that mythology, sure. but that's why I think Dave uh -huh. got kind of spicy here because he noticed that it's not going to be enough just to say, well, republicanism and rule of law, it's still going to leave people kind of empty. So would you at least so, grant that? Sure. Yeah, sure. So so I would say part, part of the whole point of this rant was that I think it is different to be a Hungarian than it is to be an American. American, Americanism, like the States of America, already incorporated a dozen European ethnicities of a dozen languages and also like a dozen subsects of Christianity. So I think it's hard to make the argument that there is some like fundam fundamental ethnos of the United States of America that can't be bridged with Central American, South American immigrants. However, I think that it is an easier argument, to Dave's point, that European polity, like Hungary or Poland, Sweden, that you can't just immigrate, learn the language, pay your taxes, and instantly culturally become this thing. And part of my point with this, in reference to differentiating South America versus like North Africa in the Middle East and uh, in West Africa, is there are wildly divergent linguistic and ethnic and religious traditions in the polities. So I see this as less of a problem in the United States and more of a problem in Europe. So I'm going to repose my original question. Other than speaking the native language, paying taxes, obeying the law and making money, what does that mean for an immigrant to be assimilated? Into what, into what polity? Either one for any place. Okay. All so countries are say, promising assimilation. France is, England is, Germany is, and America and Canada are. They all are a promising uh, assimilation. What does it mean for assimilation to be accomplished? Yeah, so so I would say that in the United States of America, we're under a liberal democracy, what you talk or what we talked about, which is be nice, pay your taxes, don't murder neighbors. I said other and, other than that, other than that. I that was yeah, the I, I to the and, question. And, and, and what I said. If we're paying attention to the answer is United States. I think that is sufficient because we live in a liberal democracy, which makes no demands of your religious beliefs. So America has no culture. No, I think American has, I think America has dozens of subcultures. <laughs> okay. But the, the immigrants will not assimilate to the subcultures, obviously, because that's not part of what you're saying right now. Well, I think and, we and, already I think we already have Central American and South American, North American subcultures. And and in Europe, will they assume will, the standards are more or less the same in England, I know. That's exactly what they well, say, right? Okay, well, what I'm worried about in England is because you have people who are coming from places that don't have the same conceptions about liberal democracy or republicanism or learning the language or integration or what uh, requires a violent response. I'm worried that they are going to have an infinitely harder time integrating those people into their societies. We haven't even established what integrating those people into the societies means for Europe. Are you saying that sure. it's the same as America or different? I think that, okay, so I'm not trying to be and if evasive. If it's different, how is it different? Okay, I'm not trying to be evasive. I'm trying to say that's up for those polities to decide. If they that have is an evasive that. answer, yes. Okay, so okay, so hold on. I, I know, I know, these, I know what these polities want. What these polities want 
is they want uh-huh. the, they want the immigrants to 100% adopt their customs when it comes to child rearing, tradition, history, food preparation, the works. They want like if you ask a Frenchman, what does it take for an immigrant to assimilate into French culture? They mean that mm. they adopt all elements of French culture and zero elements of their home culture. This almost never happens. And so I was about to say, is that that a realistic expectation? No, it's not. But this is how it's sold. It's sold on a lie. Assimilation is in most cases a lie. And this is why this. Do you you think a Frenchman, hold on, I want to ask you about your example. If a a Frenchman walks out of his fucking door in Marseille and sees like an Algerian man who speaks French and who is nice, but he, and he sends his kids to the say down the street, and the kids are nice, and they pay their taxes and they don't bother anyone. Is it is it really like a burr up the French's ass that they cook Algerian food inside their house? He wants to preserve French culture, it is. Because the Algerian not only has different food and different religion, the Algerian also has different understanding of his history. And to an Al- to a Frenchman when they look at the French empire and the history of France before the 20th century, they see, you know, a glorious achievement, all the civilizational production. When the Algerian looks at it, he sees imperialism and he sees a humiliation. This difference cannot be understated. And generations of Europeans saying that this difference would not be an issue have been proved and proven wrong again and again and again. And, you know, oh, hey, maybe we'll just sweep this under the rug again, counterpoints, but you know like no, pay on. your so, taxes so, so pay your post- taxes earn money uh, make gdp go up and speak the native language is not sufficient to communicate somebody into a general culture and okay it's so, be very so very very apparent them, that they're different uh-huh. to be very apparent that these two groups are different you can open your eyes in paris and see these groups being different anyone with uh, eyes in, in their heads who doesn't look at anything else other than a gdp chart can see that these groups are different and you can okay. even see that they're different in gdp charts as well so like i this order in order for an Algerian to become a truly French person, he has to look at the conquest of Napoleon. He has to look at, you know, the great scramble during the 19th century. And he has to be like, yeah, that's me. Based. That's me. Yeah. Yes. He he but it to wasn't look. him. Well, yeah, that's true. That's why it almost never And happened. some of it was cringe. But it doesn't matter if it's cringe. There's, I think most of American history is cringe. I'm still uh, an American. Uh-huh. Like, and I, I don't even like America very much, but it's part of the, it's part, and I'm actually most, I'm more immigrant than even Ellis Island immigrants. My parent, well, one of my parents was born in Europe. So, you know, I, I, I have very little connection to this. The thing is, is that it doesn't matter if it's uh-huh. cringe. A lot of history is cringe. The thing is, is that you see that cringe as being your cringe and not somebody else's cringe. And the thing is, is that you're right. You don't they, think, you're right. They're not, they're not genetically. You don't you're, think you're, you don't think it's fun to find out about different historical basis baseness changes? That's not I, I mean, for you? I, 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 we're talking about how people usually fight these things out in real history. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not very fun. That's called a civil war counterpoints. And it Do will you think result that we're in violence. It already civil has war here? resulted counterpoints. This already has resulted in violence in in, in these countries. Uh-huh. It's involved. It's incredibly divisive. Like uh, the, the idea that like this is just going to be a fun old time where we're going to like ha- like it's a big football game and we're going to hash out these historical grievances like, you know, it's a good old boys like kicking the ball around the park. That's not how this works. OK, these differences in terms Tell me of how it works. Gri- I think you know how it works. I think you're playing dumb, which is why this conversation is so ridiculous. I think you understand. No, 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 no. So, when, okay, when, so, when one so you population think it sees to itself race being war? oppressed. Uh, uh, race war i mean what what do you mean by race war is race war what's going on in south africa 
is race war what went on in France the last year? I mean, anything could be called race war or not race war. What it is is violence, and that you, is demonstrably that, occurring like, on in these the places. verge of like eth ethnic pogroms inside like uh, these on, places. We're on the verge of increased level of violence, which you're already seeing. And we already okay, have seen uh, an increased level of violence. So I, I don't know counterpoints. Like, I know you're trying uh -huh. to, like, brush this into some kind of hyperbole that you can scoff at. But there already has been an increased amount of violence due to this type of migration. And this migration's roots come back to this differential concept of identity. Because identity is uh -huh. more than just the language you speak and the amount of money you make. And okay, well, I, pay, what I don't, don't like... break the laws and pay your taxes. Okay, it what, has to what do with I how like... you see your polity evolve. I don't like... What I don't like is your vague sense of alarmism where you're oh, saying vague. that, yeah, it's incredibly vague. You want to know why? Okay. Because the, the homicide rate in France right now is 1.14. The average American homicide rate year to year is like a six. And then on top of that, uh, if you go to a actual war zone, it's between 20 and 50 for 100,000. <sighs> So, so your, you're looking your at argument, one. Your, your argument. You're is looking that, at one, and you're like, "Yeah, we're on the verge of ethnic pogroms, bro." No, I, and it's like, "No, no I'm not how, seeing counterpoints." Counterpoints. Kind of kind of uh -huh. so this is the problem, counterpoints. You're not differentiating between your characterization of what I said, and what I actually said. I said an uh -huh. increase of violence, and the increase of violence is absolutely observable. You, European violence has always been much, much lower than American violence. It's now except due to for the, during that one decade. Uh, actually, even with that one decade, if you aggregate it over the century, I think it's actually even lower. And, and that's with us ever, literally coming in the bombing. thousand years. Now, yeah. uh, well, we're talking about modern times and not times during which America didn't exist. So, yeah, nice goal, I, I have to, that, you know, that, well, yeah, actually, the two examples existing are required mm. for the comparison to be made functionally, counterpoints. Uh, this is a, a, a nuanced understanding of statistics that you, both populations have to exist for you to compare them with numbers but if you would do we, you'll see would that, we you'll compare see that America, of development and see, while we're America making comparisons has always had a higher crime rate than did europe what's happening uh -huh. now is europe is climbing up into american rates and this is incredibly noticeable in european cities i you know you can yeah. go and compare people got an example in these cities what paris london a number of cities in Sweden. are you denying oh, this you, no, no 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 hold are on are you hold denying on. the Don't. crime increase hold on like, why, why are you grilling me for facts if you agree with the facts? If you agree with the hold facts, on. don't grill me over them. No, okay, hold on. Because I don't like the alarmism. But if you want me to sign... Hold on. Wait a second. I see your fucking mouth moving. Wait a second. I don't like... <laughs> I don't like... You should be laughing at you. Okay. Cute. But <laughs> your sense of superiority is unearned. So I don't have the... any sense of superiority. I just have a sense of humor. Okay. Cute. So what I would say is that in in your I'm never going to deny any fucking crime increase compared to what an ideal society could be and I'm also not going to deny that immigrant populations can have like higher levels of violence as a matter of fact I think if you go off of demographic data within the United States it's literally like Asians at the lowest whites at the second lowest Hispanics you know basically higher than whites and then blacks finally right so I'm never going to say that when you invite hundreds of thousands of Hispanic immigrants into the United States, not inviting 
potentially like more crime, more homicide, more gang violence, particularly if integration is not a priority. You'll also never find me defending letting homeless people like roam the streets and fucking beat people senseless or gang activity, which like young military aged males this is all who are awesome raised by single mothers. This nothing to do with what I said. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did, did I finish my fucking sentence? Or did you already know what I was going to say? Uh, as, okay, so, so as a matter of fact, hold on. Lev, stay yes. out of it. Dave, tell me where I was fucking going. I would love to hear your psychic fucking read of where I was going. I don't think you're going anywhere. That's my point. Oh, I think you're rambling because uh -huh. you don't have an answer to my questions. The thing is, okay, so, obvious, so ask your question again and I'll answer it directly. It's obvious that these immigration, this mass immigration into Europe has increased the amount of violence. That's not a question. That's my statement. Do you have a disagreement? Do you disagree with that? No, I don't have a disagreement. Okay, with so that. then why the fuck are we talking about it if you agree with everything that I just said? Because if the you're, mass you're describing something and we're talking about prescription. We're talking about uh -huh, what we should okay. do about these things. Although I do not think that this is possible, the obvious prescription for Europe would be to stop mass migration in both its legal and illegal form immediately and to pursue uh -huh. a net zero immigration policy while doing everything in its power to increase birth rates. And then just normalize mm. the pot, assimilate or do whatever you can with the population that's currently there and then try to handle the bond that is your social security programs with whatever means you have available to it. And, and given the financial hit they're already taking with these asinine energy policies being implemented across the continent, I think they could probably move numbers around to handle this differently. That's my prescription. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard anyone's prescription that sounds remotely more logical than that one. Now, I, you can say yeah. like, oh, this is alarmist, me pointing this problem out. But like, it's just obviously apparent if you open your eyes and go to Europe and compare it to any, uh, uh, if you observe Europe and then observe it 30 years ago, this problem is apparent through all aspects of society, through crime, through the cohesion in society, through how the societies talk about themselves, to their internal politics, which are getting more racial by the day. It's all apparent. And you can call this alarmist or whatever, or vaguely alarmist. But I'm just pointing to things that have already occurred and that are going to occur more now that this even larger wave of immigration is incoming. Now, do you have a point to those points? Not yeah, I mean, I about... think we're I think we're in like 70% agreement. Okay, so... we're in total agreement. So you're for ending mass migration. Is there is there a difference between total and 70%? Okay, whatever. You're for ending mass migration. Of course. Okay, awesome. That's okay. That's that's perfect. And I think that this is gonna this this basically concludes the world shortest debate. But uh, you know, no, no, it doesn't. It, uh -huh, it really doesn't. Okay, what is it then? Okay, because I don't think that these things are possible, viable, or politically popular, or any of that kind of stuff. So I think that's something that is more sensible particularly in the United States, is the fact that you do have a series of security lockdowns where you basically lock down the southern border of the United States, but you do allow in the migrants, not permanent citizens and not people who are allowed to stay, but you allow the migrants in, in order to perform that, like the jobs required for the agricultural sector that we do need in order to have a functional economy. Then what you do is you filter out all the dog shit immigrants that you don't want, the criminals, the felons, et cetera, et cetera. And if you, if you deport them multiple times and they keep sneaking into the system, then guess what, bitch? You got a 20-year fucking sentence and you're staying in an American prison. We're not sending you to Guatemala where you can pay the fucking guard 200 bucks and get out the fucking next day. Then what I would also say 
that we go to war with the criminal elements that are in Central and South America and try to get those societies stable so the push-pull factors that are currently at work in the Americas aren't as prevalent now. Because basically what's happening is not only do we have you know, climate issues that might be contributing to this, but we also have push-pull factors of kleptocratic, corrupt, collapsing government that are effectively the puppeteers of narco-guerrilla terrorist fucking organizations. And until you deal with that, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people will flee those failed states. So the option will be to starve them and kill them at the border or stabilize their host societies. I'm fine. That sounds cool. That's way more than we're doing right now. Okay. Yeah, so you guys don't disagree. And this that concludes much. the world's shortest debate. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, I, I think that the, 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 the thing that I think that this isn't going to happen, it's not going to happen because the United States government wants to encourage mass migration, both from Africa into Europe and also from South America into America, because largely the. Can I, can this, I ask this why? Destabilize, uh, because it. It improves their control over the country because they don't have to deal with popular uprisings. Uh, large amounts of diverse population means that basically the Democrats stay in power forever and there's not going to be a large clearing out of the United States government bureaucracy the way that we need to. I, I think we basically need a reset of the United States government at all levels. And this could, I think, be engineered, but but obviously not when you're importing a new population like but millions and millions of immigrants, you know, maybe even a day, who knows what's happening right now, right? Uh, this well, isn't going to happen. It's, it's it's an incredibly stabilizing feature for the status quo rulers in these places. Uh, a great well, example of this is mm -hmm. my home state of California. Like, immigration was the most stabilizing force. Um, like, their incumbents actually used to periodically lose in California before it became a solid blue state. Uh, this has been the most politically stabilizing force of all time for the California Democratic Party. And it's going to it's a political stabilizing force for the current rulers of our government as well in this country. And so that's you, the reason why it's used. And, you know, it, the margin immigration from Europe into from Africa into Europe is I'm going to say this. It, it comes from years of America and Europe and the international community destabilizing African countries and destroying them. Uh, so that these, so that so that native governments and authority and well, monarchical governments that kept these people in line in like a Gaddafi, for instance. Yeah, Gaddafi would be a great example of this, right? Uh, we're we're no longer present, and now all of a sudden it's just complete chaos. You okay? <laughs> what makes me sad about your perspective is you don't see any opportunity, whereas. Uh, I think that there actually is the opportunity between Hispanic conservatives and WASP conservatives. And I think there is an opportunity uh, with some uh, Middle Eastern and North African conservatives, where if you kind of say like, hey, all Abrahamic leftists are a bunch of fucking degenerate fucking weirdos. Why don't we collectivize in order to fight the degenerate weirdos? It actually seems like there is an opportunity. So yeah, the, the, the Republicans thought they could do this for years in California. It never works, right? The Asian community is the perfect example of this. They're high earning. Uh -huh. uh, they they lose everything from affirmative action. They're the major victims of crime in America. What happens is that these Asian populations on the issues that they intersect with Republicans, 
they will vote for the conservative side of those specific issues. But when coalition building time comes in place, they will always vote with the with the race against the 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 conservative or or former majority population of the state, largely um, in ethnic loyal coalitions. This ethnic loyalty inside coalitions is a staple of multiracial. Uh, democracies, which is why they are so problematic and so dangerous to deal with. And you can see this virtually on play in, in California so, and in most uh, areas where this has happened. Well, hold on. So, so th this is interesting to me because we're talking about demography in the in the way that I've heard a lot of people talk about it. We're, we're talking about, you know, whites, non-Hispanic whites being a plurality, not a majority by like 2100 in the States of America. So you don't think that when we're a plurality, because I, I don't think that there's any kind of willpower to basically enact policies that you're talking about. You don't yeah, think that right. you I can agree build, with you on that. You you don't think that you can build a you would you would by default you would have to build an ethnic coalition between conservatives along multi ethnic lines because uh, there's a plurality of demographies that are available. Yeah, the I mean, I guess you you it's it's not outside of the realm of possibility, but the this this the the, the ethnic divisions inside the countries actually make it much easier to keep these coalitions from coming about through the process that you see in California. Like the Asian community in California is the perfect example of this. But don't you think well, California is a weird Spanish. example? Don't you think California is a weird example because they have an especially strong machine politic when it comes to the uh, Democratic Party there? Would it oh, you, could, the you, could, you could do Vancouver, BC, too, if you wanted to. I mean, no, but that's also like very a very right? leftist place. So I would say let's pick a place <laughs> okay, that's not well, going to be so leftist uh, and see how that goes. You know, California was not actually a leftist before the mass migration hit. People sure. don't know this. It was the Reagan state. No, no, sure. Right? Reagan, Reagan was, I, I, wasn't. I, I, Reagan no, was mean, a fucking is... Democrat. Like, come on, that's kind of oh, revisionist. I, I mean, you know, what do you mean? Like, Reagan oh, and like Nixon. He, he, yeah, he, like, well, did I mean, amnesty. I, he did fucking, he passed the assault weapons ban. He, like, yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, like, I, Reagan I, was a fucking I, Democrat. In a I lot am of ways. way to the right of Reagan. And so, in mm, my yeah. book, they're all filthy liberals. But, and I mean that in the classical sense, in all senses of the uh -huh. word. But but this idea that the California of the 1950s was oh, as progressive or comparably progressive to what it is now is nuts. These immigration waves actually drag the states or the places they occur far, far, far to the left. And the the, the how conservative these people are in their native countries has almost no bearing. For instance, I'm sure you know this statistic, uh, Turks in Germany. Who do they vote for in Germany? Because Turkey has this weird system where if you're born in Turkey, you can vote in Turkish elections. So, like, yeah. how, how do Turks vote in Germany? Well, they vote for the far left party. So when well, they that's then, when they, they want immigration, right? When they send their vote back home, who do they vote for? The fucking the right, right wingers, right wingers. Yeah. Okay, but counterpoints. This is a complete contradiction to your idea that the manifest objective conservatism of these immigrant populations is going to drag the the politics of these places and anyway to the right. They, I'm gonna, they I'm could gonna take be a stab. They could be personally I'm gonna take a right stab. They could be I'm, personally conservative, uh -huh. but the political incentives of living in a multiracial society will mean that they will always coalition against their rival ethnic groups. This is how it's okay. always worked. It's worked this way in Lebanon. It works this way in Austro-Hungarian Empire. It works this way in modern America and modern California. They could be personally conservative, but if the coalition that they feel represents their ethnic interests is going left, they're going with their coalition. 
Can I can I take a stab at the primary motivation of why they're voting for their ethnic coalition with the Democrats? Yeah, uh, is it going to be human nature? Because that's mine. Um, the immigration. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they want more political power. Yeah. So but I would that, say. That, that's, I mean, that's so that's what one I would them, say. Certainly. Okay. So so let let's just say that I'm the head of the Republican Party, real quick. I in California. Say, in California, yeah, I would say You're Hispanic. Trying to get Hispanic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm just going to say uh, I'm just saying this is this is my. I'm trying to ride the wave, not fight it. You know, I'm pretty sure if you if you take a sword and you start stabbing the ocean, you're going to fucking lose. If you turn your sword into a surfboard, you got a chance. So what I would say is uh, Hispanics, don't you hate all these stupid fucking degenerate leftoids trying to teach their progressive agenda bullshit to you through the uh, through the progressive education system. I would say black conservatives, aren't you fucking sick of all these fucking leftoids shitting on your religiosity and shitting on you? And aren't you also sick of the fact that they seem to create every perverse incentive in the world in order to keep your society, your corner of society, a fucking shithole where they treat you like guaranteed votes? How about we actually try to address the issues within society by making sure that you have some level of access to opportunity and then we can all realize the American dream. Now, I'm not saying that's going to fucking work, but that's going to yeah, work a lot work. better than Hispanics get out. But any any ceasing of mass migration will be perceived as Hispanics get out. Sure. May, you, and you, so, might, so, so, you might need to so resell. Even, even as, I mean, no, no, I, that's <laughs> your policy, not my policy. You just said you wanted mass and mass migration 15 minutes ago, counterpoints. What are you? Yeah, sure. I would, say, I would say we leverage. Okay, so I would say okay, we so leverage the limited. Hold on. I say we leverage the limited window of political relevancy that conservatives have inside the United States of America, and you say we're sick of this shit. We're sick of 300,000 people coming in per month. This is a stupid fucking policy from a national security perspective. This is a stupid fucking policy from like a social safety net perspective. We now have New Yorkers complaining about how they don't have enough logistics infrastructure to support migrants, despite them wanting to fucking single-handedly blow every single person who comes across the border and give them a fucking hotel room. So if we're serious about this being a problem, then we need to make sure that we're straining out all the bullshit and that starts with a secured border and that starts with an intelligent immigration policy. Great. That would be my pitch for right now. you think this will sell? I think it would sell better than Hispanics free get out. <sighs> Counterpoints. That was the position of the California Democratic Party. And then that was perceived by the Hispanic community as Hispanics get out. Close the border. Uh that was Trump's policy. That was perceived as an attack upon Hispanics. Yeah, that's why. Okay, but that's why you need to be nuanced about like allowing migrant workers who support the agricultural industry to be able to come and go. Yeah. What you're talking about is when you say re Hispanics get out. My, uh, migra migrants from Mexico that went back and forth in special permits to do that have been a staple of California for 150 years. That's not the same thing as the mass migration we've experienced in the last 50. 
is this this category? Well, I agree, different. and that's never that's never been a political controversy either. Like these, these sort of like confusing the mass migration that's happening right now with like seasonal migration from Mexico specifically, we're confusing like two incredibly different phenomena. Here. I, okay, so, I'm not confusing those phenomena. I think Democrats okay, so, are intentionally propagandizing by confusing <clears throat> those two phenomena. Okay, great. But the thing is, is the, regardless of the fact that Republicans have been saying exactly what you say, the uh -huh. reason why this never gets through is you pointed out, like immigration imp improves. It, it essentially improves the political cloud of Hispanics living in California. Therefore, Hispanic mm -hmm. leaders always support more migration into the state, even if it disadvantages individual Hispanics living in California by depressing wages. And the thing is, is that when it comes down to multiracial societies, the, the ethnic groups always coalition up and jockey for power inside coalitions inside the state. This always happens. And because immigration provides a political incentive for Hispanic leaders to be on the Democratic side, the Hispanic polity, by and large, will always be on the Democratic side. And this is why Republicans were gobsmacked when they pursued just the strategy you're proposing right now in the 90s. And they were just blown away that this did not appear that the, although Hispanics agreed in the polls to the individual issues, and Asians certainly did on the individual issues, they never changed the coalition. And it's because this function of how multi-ethnic societies are set up that I'm pointing to right now. Yeah, I, I, and if we understood but, that, but, we but wouldn't be proposing doomerism? it again. Okay, but your doomerism is misplaced because I literally Googled fucking Hispanic support for the Republican Party since 1960, and it went from like 24% to 39%. Still a massive majority minority. I know you do mathematics. I know you do it's mathematics. 39% is almost 40%, meaning that oh it's the potential to grow. Oh, and it's increased by 30% in the past 40 years. I wonder what matter. 40 years will do. It doesn't. Fuck, okay. Why wouldn't it matter? It doesn't Why would a third? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. Even in this, stop. Why? Why? I want you to answer this specific question. Why would a thirty percent increase in support for Republicans and conservatives over the past forty years? not be relevant to our conversation. 20 seconds ago, you were saying that it was by and large that Hispanics were always going to support Democrats and we're not going to change shit. How is a 30 to 40% increase in support for Republicans and conservatives over the past 40 years not a issue of relevance? I mean, it's it's relevant in the quantity. Like, it's not as bad. But then pound for pound, the population increase will still favor the Democratic Party. So it doesn't matter until it tips over. What do you think another 40 years is going to bring? Another 40 years is going to increase the Hispanic population's percentage of California probably by another 20%. So the thing is, we have to look at this in terms of a counterpoint statistically, right, is that the difference between a Hispanic voter and a, a, an Anglo voter is, is larger than that of the difference between a Hispanic voter 30 years ago and a Hispanic voter now by at least 30 points. So if you replace a white voter or an Anglo voter, as I like to call them, with a Hispanic one, even if the Hispanic voter becomes a less loyal Democratic Party member, they st you still will increase the power of the Democratic Party because of the fact that the difference is not simply between the Hispanic previously and after. It also has to do with the Hispanic and the Anglo. 
you're replacing populations that voted 60, 70% Republican with ones that vote, oh my God, 40% of the time for Republican and 60% of the time for Democrat. So if it's I, the relative on, change. Though. And the relative change is not just saying, inside the groups, it's between groups. But you're saying like 60, 70% fucking Anglos for Republicans. If I Google like, you know, white, because I don't think I can find Anglo-Saxon demographics specifically, but if I Google... Like I was using, I don't support. know the exact number, but I'm just using it as an no, example. No, but if I, but if I, yeah, sure, but but if I, but if Google like white support for Republicans and Democrats, am I going to find a two to one ratio for Republicans? Am like I going to find exact, a 50-50 split? On, 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 in, in California, Republicans, the California. Oh, no, 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 no. California, you're fucked. Uh, you're not, I'm not going to. It I'm used to be a Republican state counterpoint. So that's what my point is. It used to be a Republican state. No, but the, sure. but the interesting like, question I mean, here, like, what? Like, it's like if you if 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 you replace one population with the other, mm -hmm. even if that population uh -huh. is becoming more diluted, the fact of the matter is it, the the population that it's replacing was more Republican than the one that's coming on, even if the force of that one coming in is is less completely loyal to the Democratic Party. Uh, this is, again, again, this is exactly, I'm not unfamiliar with your argument counterpoints. This was the argument of California Republicans in the 1990s that, oh, look, you know, we increased our percentage of Hispanic voters by 10% this, you know, in the 90s. Therefore, if we do 10% every decade, then, you know, then maybe we won't be completely locked out of electoral politics in 10 years. And what happens is it's diminishing returns, right? You get a little bit more for the outreach, but then overall the population shifts in favor of the groups that support your enemies. And this happens again and again. I don't know what to say, right? I, I'm not I'm not dumb enough to jerk myself off and, and pretend that like we are going to reach the 50 in Hispanics. And I think by the like like uh, Republicans, Democrat voters and Hispanics. And I think that by the time we do, uh it's it's basically gonna be a, a Hispanic country. Like so I you know, like we'll, we'll be it sounds like your the... point is pretty dead then, right? If you're never going to reach 50% no. of Hispanics and it's, it's going to be a Hispanic country, then you will solidify the Democratic majority. Absolutely. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying that by the time, okay, by the time that Hispanics are split evenly between Republicans and Democrats, then you're basically going to have the, uh, what, what do you call it? it it's not the, there's majority, minority, and then there's plurality. one more. I think it's called plurality. Yeah, plurality. plurality. Yeah. So I think I be at plurality by the time that Hispanic just flipped D50. But counterpoints is this is not a viable plan to this just feeds more power to the Democratic Party and the establishment oligarchy that rules the State Department. Uh, you're, okay, is, you're right that if you're trying to like erase the country down to its constitutional foundations build something new yeah it's too late for that plan 100 okay well the reason why i need to melt the country down and rebuild it is because our entire financial system is built on debt which you pointed out as a necessary reason for immigration to begin with to defuse mm. the debt bomb you need to restructure the government at a fundamental level that will re that will require us getting rid of essentially what is the unelected government, which is basically, for all intents and purposes, the Democratic Party, which represents the unelected governments in, in all its functions in this country. 
I'm not, uh, I'm not so, trying to black I'm going to ask you a question perspective. Uh, do you think that it's more likely that the debt bomb will implode and then we'll just have anarchy for a few generations before we rebuild something? And what will happen is we'll have that ethnic plurality uh, vying power in the anarchic aftermath. Yeah, that's is that very... is that more is that more likely than what you would hope for? Well, I mean that's very like that that is likely. I don't know how to evaluate how likely are. That's my nightmare scenario. That's what I'm trying to prevent. Because okay. like a multi-ethnic polity dissolving into anarchy with with no security is not a fun situation to be in. And if you we read agree history, there. it is okay. Uh, so uh, you have this debt bomb and this demographic bomb on your hands. The the all mass immigration does is kick the can down the road into when the debt government bomb needs to be dissolved and restructured. Yeah, no, uh, Lev, uh, we're 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 finding consensus here. So okay, great. My... So how are you going to? So your goal is also uh -huh. to restructure the government fundamentally to dissolve this debt bomb. No, I, I think the I think the debt bomb is going to go off. So I think it's just a, a question of playing okay, so, the game until the House of Cards falls. So down. you're looking at anarchy. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm you know I'm relatively speaking prepared for it. Well, counterpoints okay, to your uh, your ex-military, your ex-marine, ex-cop. So you probably know people in private security. I think you and your family would be pretty well off as far as being well armed and well, uh, protected. Okay, so so uh, if I'm if I'm speaking with some black pilled people in the audience or whatever, let let me tell you, it's like uh, hope is not a plan, right? And, and so the a lot of people have been talking about Armageddon and apocalypses for a long time. Uh, if you read, uh, you know, Cicero, he predicted that the Roman Empire was going to fall 300 years before it did. If you read Thomas Aquinas, he was literally uh, after the Roman Empire had collapsed. And effectively, he was like writing his treatises in North Africa while there were like brigands running around. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, but, uh, but who did I say? Aquinas. Didn't you say Aquinas? Aquinas. Yeah, sorry. Aquinas was a French. Uh, yeah, if uh, if Augustine was... Wait, sorry. You said Augustine? It was yeah. Augustine was a Berber in North Africa that wrote right. when... He wrote when... He he was in largely his reaction, or his later work at least, was in reaction to Rome being sacked by the Visigoths, I believe. Right. And, and, and I think that like while he's writing some of like, the seminal treatises of the church... Uh, basically there's like barbarians running around in the countryside, like raping and murdering people. Right. So, so humanity has survived many miniature apocalypses. And so what you do is you do the same thing as everybody else. You make hay while the sun shines and you prepare your progeny for the world to collapse. And what I mean by that is you teach them to have skills that are marketable to other people. You teach them to defend themselves and how to defend themselves appropriately. You train them in the use of arms. You find people that you trust, who you love, who you can build a small tribal group with, and you make up backup plans about where you're going to get your food. God forbid everything goes sideways. Now, I wouldn't dedicate your entire life to preparing like a nuclear fallout shelter waiting for the debt bomb to go off, but I do think that it's smart to have a backup plan. Pardon me. I I said uh, I said Thomas Aquinas was French. He's actually Italian, but <laughs> rude um, yeah, French yeah. But, Italian. But, What's the difference? But anyway. Yeah, but but anyway, they're both um, Romance languages. But yeah. counterpoints. It sounds a little bit like you're a reactionary. Then this is the general perspective that. I mean, what's the chance that 
this, well, this the, the not exactly though because reactionaries reactionaries want a dictator to be in charge to fix a lot of the problems at least a lot of reactionaries who have spoken to want that look well, I mean, hold on, if hold you on. go I through a period of question. anarchy you're going to get a lot of dictators that's anarchy is dissolved no. by dictators it's all to be like charlemagne right yeah charlemagne so, was not i mean i need to clarify this you know charlemagne did larp about reestablishing rome but yeah. nobody in that period or any time until 1700 thought republicanism was good. The idea that republicanism mm. was good died with Cicero, as far as I'm concerned. Nobody thought republicanism was good or established it. So everybody who picked up the pieces in these sort of like post-Roman, fall of the Roman Empire scenario, they were all what we would call dictators, what they would call kings and what I would call monarchs or sovereigns. This is just, it's not liberal principles or Republican principles are not suited for these periods of time. If, if indeed what you just said it was going to happen, happens. Yeah, but then you and, just wait for, uh, uh, sorry, okay. sorry, I got to step in here. Uh -huh. But then you would just wait for the anarchy to happen. And then inevitably there's going to be some kind of a dictator. What I'm finding is that a lot of people seem mm -hmm. to be, at least on the more reactionary end, incredibly trigger happy, waiting for the opportunity for there to be this fascistic dictatorship. And I think a lot of the would rather it happen sooner than later where they wouldn't want to wait for this uh, anarchy and part of me thinks like hey you guys aren't even trying to make things better working with the things that we already have right now uh, you're already you know sidestepping uh, the the anarchy part and going right to the dictator well well you well, want to side, that the whole, whole mm -hmm. point is to sidestep the anarchy part the anarchy part that's when you and your people have a very very large chance of just getting exterminated like during the mm. fall of the Roman Empire, during that period, and these numbers are always really hazy because during these interim periods, it's always hard to get the accurate body count numbers. But up to a third of Europe's ethnic populations were wiped out by subsequent wars and 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 horde invasions. Uh, anarchy is the time when you you have the highest probability of just getting flatly wiped out. And everyone would prefer a king to that. So what people want at this time is they want to have leaders that stand in their corner and say, you are my people. I am your king. And I'm going to represent you in politics and in war by my sacred oath. And in turn, you will give me your loyalty. Well, That's what people like, want. Uh, and they want that because they don't have anyone who's standing up there and defending their interest right now. Well, kind, no kind of like Nazi, Nazi Germany, right? Like, I don't mean to go there, but that is a pretty clear example of a very strenuous time for a lot of people. People well, were thinking, we yeah. don't want to get into a state of anarchy. We see the commies coming, uh, you know, in Russia. So uh, this is going to be the best thing, the best decision for us at that time. Where we're kind of like in the Hitler drank water territory. What, what I laid out is something you could argue occurred in Nazi Germany, but it also occurred in every single other government before 1900 and okay. before 1946. So, I mean, yeah, sure. I drink water. Hitler drinks water. Charlemagne drinks water. Caesar drinks water. Uh, Peter the Great I, drinks water. Frederick the Great. I don't, I don't think that's water. fair because you're uh, talking about water. It's all the same thing. Hey, it's all the Lev. coronation oaths all feature the exact same thing. Like I will defend these people against foreign invaders and blah 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 blah, and make sure that their people persist across the generations. That's okay. Always the coronation, and obviously that I'm loyal to God and the religion. Right? These are always the coronation oaths. Okay, so I have uh, I have about 15 minutes until I have a hard out, so I I need to I, I want to get in before we're out. Uh, what I would point out is that, yeah, monarchs and uh, dictators or leaders or Caesars or whatever, that, that, was a, that was a huge feature of most of European history. I would agree there. 
what I would say is that the most stable, the ones that lasted the longest, the ones that didn't get their heads chopped off, had constitutional power distributed, and they had checks on their power. So if you're talking talking about about the fall of the Roman Empire, constitutionalism, yeah, we're also talking about England, just one of the few monarchs that get their heads chopped off. England during the time of Augustine, which was the time we were talking about, was Uh getting invaded by several barbarian hordes. Uh, They weren't writing constitutions or anything resembling a constitution until the Magna Carta in the 13th century. There is a 1,000 year difference between those two time periods, or not exactly 1,000 years, but more like 800 800 years. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? These were all monarchs that did not have constitutions. In 1320 is fucking what? 700 years. Yeah. It's, of continued power? There's more difference between the, the time period of the fall of the Roman Empire and when they wrote their first constitution than there is between the Magna Carta and us. Well, hold on. This this actually brings up an interesting this actually brings up an interesting uh historical question. Like you're England was sacked multiple times by like Normans and Vikings and all that kind of shit. And now we don't differentiate between people at all. They're all Anglos. So but like are are Hispanics sacking the United States of America still to the Normans? I mean, if you're asking me whether I want to share the fate of the Celtic Britons when the Anglo-Saxons invaded, I'll say no thank you because most of them lost their lives. And their culture really only persists in like Welsh culture and some Cornish culture. So yeah, like genetically, they got mixed into the population and there's like lineages there from the old Celts. And they're, they're obviously in very large capacities in like these places like Wales, where I think there might even be a majority Celtic DNA. But uh-huh. most of them just got wiped the fuck out. So uh, forgive me for not like saying like goody goody gumdrops. This is... Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you think Hispanics are conducting themselves in a similar way to the Anglos and the Normans? Well, the thing is, is that the initial waves of migration into the Roman Empire connected themselves not horribly either, right? The issue is not uh-huh. necessarily that any given population is is like, you know, brandishing bad laxes. The question is, is that when the financial system falls apart and the trademark and the trade barriers go down, what is the probability that you're going to look at your neighbor and see them as part of a common people or see them as a rival people? And that's a huge, and that's why I go back to this whole common perception of history. That's why it's important for the Algerian to see themselves as part of the French empire. Because if the French state falls, like the Algerians are loyal to the French state because the French state's paying them and giving them money and providing them with a lifestyle that's way better than they'd have in Algeria. If that ended tomorrow and the the money and the lifestyle was gone, what what would happen? Like, would they be loyal? Would they look at, see their French neighbors and see like, we are all Frenchmen or would be like, Oh, no, they wouldn't. That motherfucker was the Point guy taken. who inv- that motherfucker was the guy who invaded uh, Algeria. Okay. Right? They wouldn't. And that's why they're not assimilated, despite the fact that right now they obey the law and speak the language and pay their taxes and they'll do all the HR. No, 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 no. This this is this is really interesting, and I'm gonna uh take that calculation into my worldview with the debt bomb is once the debt bomb explodes, whether that's in the United States of America or in Europe, what happens to uh the sense of Egalite, liberté, and fraternité. When uh, you don't know where you're getting your next meal, right? I say it goes uh, to the bin of history, like it always does. 
Sure. And, and honestly, like uh, I've I've lived a hard enough life that I know that morality is about three missed meals away from being thrown in the bin. So what what I would say is that I think that there is a opportunity of alliance or a greater opportunity of alliance between Christian or Christian descended Hispanic Americans and Christian or Christian descended Anglos or whites than there is, I don't know, uh, people from Algeria and French people. I, I think that cultural bridge is easier to gap. I mean, you, it's again, difference in qu quantity, not qualitative differences. Mm. Uh, but also people from people the... from South America have lots of grievances against Anglo's, and you hear about them all mm. the time. I'm sure they do. And but during the actually, summer hold, of love... hold on, I would love, I okay. would love for him to enlighten me on that. Really. All right, can, all right. Can you can you enlighten me on the Hispanic grievances okay, against Anglo's? First, can I can I ask you? Are you are you not aware of like Chicano grievances against Anglo's? Have you, have you never encountered this? No, I haven't. So you haven't heard, like, you know, the, the idea that we took the southern half of the United States from Mexico? Yeah, and I... You haven't, heard you haven't heard complaints still about... Issue. Okay, so you have heard these complaints then? Yeah, because mostly we were fucking around. Because my okay, But there, my but there are some people friends, who believe uh -huh. them without fucking around, and that's what I'm trying to communicate here, right? Well, I'm sure with your drinking Mexico buddies... like suck at war. <laughs> Well, what's the difference between yeah, that and Polish but... who had grievances against Ukrainians and vice versa? Now they're being best friends. You know, th history. Oh, uh, they were fighting this week. Eh, not, yeah. not that much. Not that much in comparison to what happened before. They, they do hate the Russians more than they hate each other. That's yeah, true. and that kind of hate unites. So when it comes to the summer of love that we had back in 2020, what I at least found was it was a lot of the Hispanics that kind of stood up to the looting that was going on in their areas. And uh, I think that that's kind of a sign that uh, they do have certain values as far as, you know, keeping their property safe and not allowing crime to interfere in Being their neighborhoods. Industrial. Yeah, like, what's wrong with that? I think that there could definitely be, you know, if uh, things get bad, an alliance among uh, a lot of the Anglos, as you say, Dave, and uh, people who are, you know, from Latin America, who share religion, who share sort of a Industrious culture. Industrious Latins. Yeah, like, why wouldn't that work? Look, I mean, one of the most popular right-wing memes is the is the the meme where they talk about the the new races of America, and one of them is uh, Teutonic Hispanic Teutonic who Tucson's like the merge between Hispanics and yeah Catholics. But but like, and I I don't like, and obviously you know I, I come from a religious community that is heavily Hispanic, and I don't want to downplay the possibility of new alliances. But you know, you 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 talk about pulling the trigger on these ethnic differences, you're talking about playing with fire. And if the only thing that's okay. keeping you in alliance is because you hate someone else more, that's going to mean a lot less when shit hits the fan and you're competing more locally for resources. Okay, hold and on. I, I, I got a meme real quick before we let, you know, uh, fucking uh, kind of wrap up. But, but like, you understand that, like, like most internet Nazis are fucking Hispanic, right? And like the most like recent like fucking Nazi shooter was fucking Mexican. And also that uh that one Anakin meme where it's like at white race savior, you're browner than I expected. Like, like there's like a shitload. Like I'm not saying those are the kind of people that I want to ally myself with. Uh, but to pretend that like you know th these people. Uh, you can't bridge that cultural gap. I, I, I'm not going to attack you. I'm just going to say that I disagree. There was one comment that I got to read before you go, Counterpoints, from uh, Dylan Walker, who screamed, 
their areas, Lev. So his point was that the uh, Hispanics were protecting their particular areas. My only point would be if shit hits the fan, I'm not sure that they're going to go to war against areas that are not theirs. I mean, I assume that there are going to be certain scuffles here and there, but uh, I'm not really sensing that much danger from uh, people who have, you know, like the Christian sense of morality that's been imbued for, you know, hundreds of years already. And sure, you could say culturally they are going to be different, but it's like, so what? Like, things have been pretty decent right now, and I hope things continue to be decent. I think, uh, but before we kind of wrap up and do outros, I do think the thing, so uh, Dave and I do not see eye to eye on Do not see eye to eye. But... Yeah, uh, but I kidding. do think that the thing that anybody uh, who might be more on my side of things needs to consider is what Dave is saying with the debt bomb. So how do people like imagine all government services, all finances, all retirement, all uh, Social Security, all care. Imagine that that collapsed overnight and there was no subsidization of ag- agriculture. How would you get your food? And how is everybody else going to act in that scenario? And if you don't have a good answer for that, then some of the some of the dangers that we're alluding to, you can say, oh, it's not going to happen for another hundred years, or oh, we'll all go along to get along. Uh, if you're not getting that into your calculus, then you're wrong. Well, sure. I mean, I'll, as a response to that, I'll say, I mean, my solutions are just what you're pointing to is a as anarchy and chaos. And whenever that's occurred historically, the solutions that I talk about and commend as a solution for it have always been brought in. And these enlightenment ideas that have emerged in the last 300 years just go away like, you know, like the ephemeral smoke that they are. What matters is your faith. Mm -hmm. And then after that, your people and the people are that your people who you share a historical narrative with which can be blends between different people. Sometimes that's what happens like Teutonic shifts in plates, but that's, and that's why virtually no people change their ethnicity, which is why assimilation well, is more or less a spook. And, and like those mm-hmm. two things, like the, the, the faith, the peoplehood, the core loyalties to sovereigns, those are the things that last through anarchy and like this bullshit about rights and liberal principles and blah, blah, blah. And like this stuff is like, people give this up the second the shit. Hits. But I, Okay, but I think that if you, uh, and then I got to do an outro and go, but uh, basically, I think that if you look at the history of Northern European Americans, um, Ulster Scots, Celts, Italians, Anglos, we were all at each other's throats for extended periods of time. And we all had ethnic rivalries that when the chips were down, we did kill each other in in riots or tribal conflict or mafia conflict or whatever. And so I would say that a lot of those tribal and ethnic uh, alliances have been broken down, I would say, probably since the Civil War uh, through civic nationalist propaganda. So my instinct wouldn't be to redivide ourselves along tribal or racial lines it would be to up the civic nationalist propaganda uh so yeah what does up the civic nationalist propaganda mean does it mean faith? it, it would common people it would mean would? create a yeah it, it would mean uh creating a narrative that could be shared by uh united states of american blacks hispanics whites uh asians 
and then trying to thread that into a coherent whole and then just ramming home that fucking Captain America, Magic School Bus, Power Ranger, uh, you know, equal all together shit in order to try to get everybody not to hate each other. I, does that narrative exist or you're hoping for it to come into existence because that's a narrative, that's a narrative been dead for 30 years in my opinion i was about to say i i think the i think the strongest that narrative was ever emphasized was in the 90s i mean that that's when i was growing was up in, and that was uh-huh that, that narrative was that narrative was invented in the late 1890s and it was the primary it was a primary policy of the american government to push this narrative on everybody it ended uh -huh. in the 90s. And because we are the age we are in our late 30s, we remember the 90s being the high watermark, or maybe you're younger than me, who knows? You know, nah, I remember the 90s, we remember the 90s being the high watermark of it, but it, the 90s was nothing compared to the 50s, and the 50s was nothing compared to the 40s and 30s and 1910s. If you go to the kind are of the about Bioshock like infinite, broad like, racial like animosity, Bioshock or? infinite patriotism, I'm talking about like America as a common people and ethnicity. If you go back and see what was going on dur when we fought oh, the world How much commies we had like in the uh, 20s, 30s, and 40s? Yeah, but I mean, in back the, then. In the I'm, 30s, talking, I'm talking about mainstream culture. I'm not talking about like, you know, intelligence people in Greenwich. Quick, quick rebuttal. We can, we can do this again as much as I might have uh, said words to you. I did have fun. Um, I would say that what was lacking in the 30s, 40s, and 50s was the fact that people who were outside of that narrative, blacks, uh, were largely not a part of that narrative. They, you know, if you look at 30s, 40s, and 50s patriotism, they were, I don't even think they were an afterthought. I think they weren't even mentioned. Yeah. And when we tried to integrate that more broadly, the whole thing fell apart. Well, I, I can do a better job. Yeah. No, I, I, th I think, I think, <laughs> I can. would I'd like yes. to see that, right? Mm -hmm. I'll work on it. All right. Counterpoints, before you go, uh, what do you got to promote? Mm -hmm. What is next for counterpoints? What can we expect? Yeah, so if you're into uh, science fiction or science fantasy, uh, type in CounterPoints 40K to your YouTube search browser. That is my most popular content by far. Um, and we have a really good time exploring. Uh, you think this uh, this era is grimdark. Uh, the era of uh, the year 40,000 is infinitely more grimdark. So go ahead and check that out. Um, also, I'm launching a second channel. It's a political channel. I re-uploaded all my old content on there, Counter Fire. Uh, that's where you'll see political debates such as this. Um, and then finally, I have a channel called Counterpoints. It's very small, but I'm trying to post uh, high-quality essays to those. Uh, they're all linked in the description of the main channel. So if you're interested in that content, um, then go ahead and check it out. And I, I appreciate it. And uh, Dave, I'm sorry for uh, calling you retarded. If you still think I'm retarded, that's really fine. Uh, but I did have a good time. I, I apologize for using so many pejoratives in this talk, Counterpoints. It's okay. I All right. Okay, uh, I guess I'm doing an outro too. Uh, well, super chats. Uh, we got to get the super chats as well. Okay. But do the outro first. Oh, uh, I'm, well, I'm sorry we... to jump in. I'm about, I, I got to go. I All, right. You guys. All right, All right, guys. Later. Oh, I guess I'll stay with the super chats. But you can find me at Fiddler's Green at Substack and then the YouTube channel of the Distributist, and that's it. I talk about culture and politics, and uh, there's a, a large community of people in the same thought sphere that I cross promote, but I can't promote them all at the same time. So. Uh, check out any of us. Your uh, friends, in other words. So uh, <laughs> yes. before, uh, yeah, before we get to the super chats, I do want to follow up on what Counterpoints was talking about uh, earlier with the uh, racial animosity that was going on, like in the 30s, 40s, 50s. 
I would assume that when something goes on for that long and uh, when you have like the segregation and all that, things are going to bounce back. And I think we're still at the point right now where what's bounced back has not found any kind of equilibrium. Well, yes, we have like the Democratic Party and have various left-leaning activists that would kind of use that racial animosity for, you know, certain gain. But my only point here is that maybe it's uh, worth kind of keeping in mind that this was might as well have been yesterday that we had this kind of racial animosity and maybe it should be something to consider from what counterpoints was saying that that could possibly be worked on as far as something like civic nationalism goes just because it's been an incredibly short amount of time i don't know what do you think i i don't the thing is is the whole civic nationalism project i mean look i mean i, I kind of missed the boat on this because my parents came after this project already or my father's side i should say came after this project already failed the whole idea that we would create a common american ethnicity fell apart in the 1960s and then in the 1990s we we're like well maybe we'll do it again and then we we're like oh just kidding you know, we're, we're doing like the 1960s over again i don't think you can pick this thing up because at this stage an entire generation of new leaders has been educated in pouring gasoline on identity politics stuff and they don't actually believe in a common american identity that means anything it's also like it's also since since they're so hyper focused on all of the horrible elements of american history it's impossible to refocus their narrative self-conception on any kind of positive story that america might have as a polity itself what what is the what are the leaders that come out of modern universities that are going to become the leaders of the Hispanic community, of the Filipino communities, of of African communities? What are how what stories are they going to be telling that dovetail with the stories that European Americans tell about themselves? Well, even, almost none at this even, stage. Even more so, though, I think a lot of the European Americans that are coming out of our institutions today, they don't happen to share that mythology. I don't really think it's that often that you would get people like, let's say, back in the Founding Father days, where they would have learned, uh, you know, all of the classic philosophy. They would have been interested in, you know, like the secrets of the universe, to put it uh, mildly. And I think today, I don't think that's on the mind of a lot of these leaders. I think they're kind of on autopilot. So in a way, when you were asking, like, what is this quality of being an american as opposed to being something else personally i think that it was a project where there was an emphasis on figuring out what existence is maybe that's too haughty of me to say it that way but i really no, think... it's religious i mean religion would be a good way to restart well, it right yes and no because religion in terms of restarting civilization sure but as far as like what thomas jefferson was thinking about and what other founding fathers were thinking about they were pretty paganistic even the song yeah, that but... francis kotke wrote that was based on a paganistic hymn originally that was giving an odd to uh, venus and uh, so on and so forth but and they the... were leaning hard on this concept that america would be pretty much 100 percent a wasp if you look at their other documents these guys did... i mean they thought maybe germans maybe Maybe the odd, like, you know, Eastern European swarthy person. Yeah, like but I don't myself. think they were familiar with right? a lot of these no. people either. But then in the beginning of the 20th century, you had Italians, you had Irish, you had Jews that were coming into this country, and they did want to emulate what the wasps were doing. There was still, like, this culture of, you know, buildings with, you know, the fucking columns and, you know, all of these things that I find to be very psychedelic personally. You know, like, people talk about... I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like, people talk about... I'm not Burning wasp. Man. I'm, I, you're no wasp. I'm, 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 you one, still... I'm one half Eastern European and one half Ellis Islander. So yeah. like, I'm not a wasp, 
but like i don't even th- i don't think that list islanders integrated into um, uh, wasp culture i think we made america a much less wasp place and in many ways if we had not immigrated into this country it would have been more cohesive and and probably firmer in its principles uh, i mean i i do think that a lot of irish and german and jewish americans contributed but at the same time they also made it harder to actually say what an american was uh because we don't see the same i don't see this the way the world the same way the anglos do uh, you know i'm a central european you know with some smatterings of uh celtic blood from the from from the british isles you know i don't see the world the same way that but like Somebody you were, yeah. But like you were saying, Mayflower does. But like you were saying about the Celts originally, we have had these transitions going on in Britain itself. I know that the Romans didn't really administer any of their DNA or that much of it back when they were there. They were kind of there and they left, right? But we did have afterwards. You know, who was it uh, that went to uh, Britain after uh, after the Romans left? The Normans, uh, the Normans. Oh well, right? oh you mean like oh that's way after. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. No. I thought you meant the, the Anglo's and the Saxons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Anglo's and the uh, Saxons and the Normans. The Anglo's and the Saxons came immediately on the fall of the Roman Empire. The Normans came much, much. Yeah, later yeah, yeah. So, the, so I got got yeah, confused. Yeah. yeah, I mean they came when the the, the Vikings were Christianized essentially. Yeah. Yet, um, yet we still see all these columns. We still see what we would consider to be an agreement upon a certain level of high civilization. And my issue with what you're talking about has to do with civilization being something that's kind of like taking a shower or like brushing your teeth. And you could say, sure, I don't need to brush my teeth or brushing my teeth would never work anyway. I'm just going to let them uh, all rot. And I think that's the perspective that a lot of black pills people seem to take, where to them... The only way out, unless you want to go into full anarchist mode, is going to be to have like a Mussolini or a Hitler or whoever take over. And I know the reducto ad Hitlerum that you were alluding to before mm-hmm. with the water, but it's just like a basic thing. Like, I don't mean to say it in the way of like, you know, sp- uh, spurring uh, anybody to any reaction here. It's just like basic stuff. No, I, I get it. But I mean, like the, the problem is, is that we group. Hitler has become the symbol both of a particular kind of parano- uh, a paranoid what I, would, what I would call is I would call uh, Nazi politics are kind of paranoid and demiturgical. Uh, um, oh, I don't know how you put it. A demotic, demotic and paranoid politics of the Nazi party. We have, And then we, we take that kind of demotic and paranoid style of early 20th century racial politics. And we superimpose that upon basically common qualities of all pre-modern governments. And, and so you can say like, okay, well, Hitler had this quality of authoritarianism in the name of defending a people, but that's all like, that's Zen Jobieski, that's Frederick the Great, that's the Empress Maria Theresa, that's Peter the Great of Russia, that's everybody, everybody was like that. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that when it comes, I mean, you're right, civilization is a practice. Civilization is something that you do. It's a discipline that you exercise. But the problem is, is that the the politics of civilization as they're played out have to have a collective realization. Otherwise, these individual practices that, that we seek inside of ourselves will get wiped away by chaos. Like I can live as a Roman while the Roman Empire is falling. In many ways, Augustine did just that. In many ways, one of the people who became monks did just that. But without Charlemagne protecting the exterior of the monastery or some king preventing North Africa from being sacked, which it was eventually, 
all that internal discipline will get wiped away and it will be get it will get wiped away into the dustbin of history and it'll be completely forgotten but here's the uh, devil's bargain if you're thinking that there's going to be some kind of a charlemagne we also have to keep in mind number one technology that the time of uh, radio communication that we got with Hitler and Mussolini and you know not to mention Stalin mm -hmm. It's very different than the times that happened before, where things from, you know, if I'm not mistaken, were a little bit more localized. Things took a little more time and a little bit less efficiency to do things, for example, like systematic uh, democide. Uh, you know, as far as who you choose to target, who you choose to send to the gulag, things of that nature. So I really think that today we can't just look back at history. I think the stakes are way fucking higher when we're talking about having some kind of a dictator step in, not to mention that it's going to be very common, especially today, to get somebody who's going to have a bunch of ass kissers around them uh, telling him whatever it is that uh, he wants to hear. And that's also going to skew how the policy is, because frankly, I don't see a lot of these leaders having some kind of a shared mythology other than with the latest batch of leaders we got in the 20th century, this, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, populism, where they were men of their people. They did whatever the people wanted, but the people could be sometimes retarded. And when the people yeah, are I mean, retarded, then you get a lot of democide and you get a lot of bad things. I, I know that Yarvin was on this show several times and he and I, I never talked to him, but he and I share the point of view that Stalin and Hitler were both, and a lot of these leaders from the early 20th century were this weird hybrid of monarchy and populism and democracy that in this one historical moment created this perfect, like this perfect storm of rottenness where you got the worst elements of all systems. And that's why, despite having fundamentally different ideologies on paper, they behaved sort of very similarly. Uh, I, I also share Yarvin's opinion that getting a, repeat of Stalin or Hitler is probably highly, highly unlikely in the modern world. Uh, I, I think that, you know, you're, you're, you're likely to see, um, I think you're going to see sort of like strong men, populist leaders, and they're going to be a lot more like Huey Long or something like that than they are going to be like Hitler. Right. And I think that, uh, or, or maybe they'll be more like, I don't know. I don't even know. Who that's I a very, that's a very too, positive. Right? That's a very sunny, positive way of looking at it. I would only say that with the technology we have right now, all bets are fucking off, and that when it comes to what CounterPoints was talking about, that really would be something, I think, to consider. Yes, we have this activistic, managerial class right now, but hey, let's work against them. Let's figure out a way to actually have some kind of a common uniting mythology, you know, with all the people who want to strive to that certain level of civilization. And when you were asking again, like, uh, I understood your problem with CounterPoints' argument, which was it's not just about, you know, line goes up. It's not just about following the rules. It's also how you interpret your reality. And there should be a way... Or your where... history specifically, your history. But that, like, see, that's... No, but that's, that's a different thing too. Because when you're talking about history, now you're putting certain, let's say, artificial limits that, let's say, back in Imperial Russia... I think that was one of the things that really contributed to the sense of, uh, uh, what's the word, the sense of 
knowing that you are capable of doing something, but artificially not being allowed to do it, as was the case with a lot of the ex-serfs and the uh, progeny of the ex-serfs within Russia, where, for example, you can work up to being an engineer, but you cannot be upgraded, you know, you cannot be promoted to this position because this position was only reserved for somebody who was not the progeny of a serf. And I think things like that yeah, start mean, to bite at you. Caste going to be bad. Well, but, I mean, no, no shit, caste is going to be bad, but that's kind of like my point. This is the pressure that starts building where these activists start coming out of the woodwork. That was the case in uh, Imperial Russia. I mean, hell, that was the case even, uh, you know, during the time of the Decemberist Revolution when they were going against the Tsar, which kind of inspired war and peace, but that's like a side thing. But the point is, is that what CounterPoints was talking about with the racial grievances, that is something that the activists use. They use this racial animus to gain power. And I think that it's high time we kind of considered maybe there's a way to work against that racial animus and not actually empower these fucking activists to create a fifth column that's destroying our fucking country. That but, would but, be well, yeah. how how though? I mean, I just I don't. This is the problem. I don't see, uh, Lev. Uh, like I, I I I again, I, I, people always confuse this. I'm not here to destroy multiracial societies. I'm here. I want to save them. But the thing is, is that what you have is the incentives are for identity politics in our systems. Like that's where all the political incentives are right now. Even if you got rid of some of the strong civil rights stuff, like affirmative action, well, that's quote unquote gone. But I mean, if you really got rid of it and not just like, oh, guys, you really shouldn't do it. Um, you know, you would still have this problem that in democratic societies with, with multiple ethnicities that see themselves as having separate interests you are going to have racial politics. And if people can get away with that in any way, then the the society is going to start fraying. And I, I don't see what, what like we thought, look, in the 90s, we thought that this would be going away slowly. But in fact, I think very predictably, it's only gotten worse and worse and worse. And I think it's very clear from the incentives why that is. The answer I would provide here is to imagine that in the future there could be a distinction between those within the club and what and outside of the club and the club for me would be a club for people who regardless of the color of their skin do conform to a certain level of civilization like i said before where you judge people by their actions not by certain genetic things and at the end of the day However many people from one group or another group end up conforming to that particular club, to me it doesn't matter. But to me what does matter is that when people make the decision of having this club of people who are united together, they would base it on what exactly do you bring to the table, and all, not just economically, but also are you able to share the same concept of reality as I do. And I know it's difficult to figure it out uh, probably for a lot of people, and to work it out, but honestly, I don't really see any other way forward unless, again, you want a dictator or you want to go into anarchy, which I know you don't want. So this would be kind of like the third position that I'm offering, which is still a work in progress, but I honestly don't even think like a lot of people think about it because like, I think a lot of people automatically, because they see all these 4chan posts and get really demoralized, they hunger for this kind of, uh, you know, like all of the memes about the conflicts that we've been seeing. I think there's something about them that just wants to toss the uh, game board tape, toss the Warhammer 40k 
table over, you know, because they feel a lot of spite. They feel a lot of disgust for what they're seeing in civilization today. You know, and partly, hell, I don't blame them for a lot of the rampant crime and things of that nature, but... I really or think... just like the stuff, like the completely insane education system. Sure, <laughs> sure, of course. But it's like I always got to keep in mind how impatient a lot of people are in general, and also how a lot of people were born yesterday. And because people have not had that much of experience in history, compared... okay. But yeah, I will speak out and I will speak out in favor of impatience here. Left. Okay. Uh, what? What am I? I'm mean, as a Californian. What am I waiting for? I, I, I moved to other states and all I see in other states is the same process that consumed California, like retarded by five, 10 years. So like I can hang back and I can watch this process roll forward, but I know exactly where it's going. And so like I, I, I'm patient in my desire to implement a change, but there's got to be a change. It just patiently watching the situation play out is don't not... uh, I don't I don't want you to misconstrue what I said. I have not sure. said at all that you have to sit quietly and be patient for things to change in well, a bad way. What I meant was you have to proactively start brushing your fucking teeth. That's what I'm talking about. And so far, I see people already going grug mode, going monkey mode, going wild and deciding, you know what? Fuck the civilization. Fuck this liberal democracy bullshit. We're just going to go either full NATSOC or we're going to establish our own compound somewhere or whatever. Not a lot of people are doing that, to be honest. But you know what I mean? Like, the intention is still there, I think, of a lot of these people to say... Uh, I am going to completely reject any attempt to be proactive at doing something that's not going to involve me at my most animalistic state, because I think a lot of people have bloodlust too. A lot of people don't know where to put their energy online. They're just clicking away all day on the keyboard. So it's like, what do you want from them? Of course, they're going to be very bloodlusty when it comes to that. And that's why... I like having uh, gentlemen like you on the stream, people who are more reactionary, because I think it is important to kind of confront that and see, is this really what we got to work with? Or maybe there's some other way. Because you got to well, admit, I'm, people have that bloodlust. I'm sure. And I, I don't want to have conflict. A civil war is an absolute nightmare scenario for me. And that's what I'm trying to stop. The thing is, is that uh, I, I'm trying to reconcile the fact that I, I need radical structural change and radical cultural change along with the idea that I really dislike this. I, I, I fear the civil war anarchy scenario that we talked about significantly. And so when you're trying to accomplish radical structural and cultural change without having a war or anarchy, then the sort of Yarvin style monarch appears as being the, the, this, the thing that answers both questions. And I'm not like, a, I'm not 100% sold on this because I think it would probably look something like a Roosevelt or something like that. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, something has got to change about this system because it's going to fall apart. And it, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no way that you can sustain these levels of mass migration and this level of inflation and this level of debt and, and not have uh, the, the authority structure of the government kind of collapse in on itself. One comment over here before we get to Super Chats from Jeb Reggie, who, of course, has an anime avatar. See, that's the other thing, by the way. A lot of the younger people today, they have the anima, as uh, Carl Jung talks about, of wanting, like, this life with, like, the anime waifu. And you know what? I don't see anything wrong with that, you know? To each... A anima uh, or anime waifu? <laughs> anime, it's, it's both. It's an anime anima. 
You know, it's like the inner the inner female that That's they meta. want to. Well, exactly. I mean, you you've seen that. You know, a lot of the four chatters with the ad. I mean, it's like such an old hat thing. But anyway, Jeb Reggie says Dave is the least bloodlusty person ever. But he says how he sees it, which people don't like. And you know what's wrong for people not to like it? Because there's nothing I think more important right now, especially, than having people put up their best arguments for not only shit hitting the fan, but what they propose to do in that situation instead of having it be relegated to a particular, let's say, corner of the internet where everybody already agrees with each other. Because if your goal, Dave, is to figure out exactly... If there is some other way than just having this courtesy Arvin style uh, king come in, then I think more of these kind of conversations are needed. I don't think we're going to be able to solve it this instance, but uh, well, I definitely love to have you back for another one. Well, one thing that people talked about, like Aaron talks about this, like, well, maybe they'll just be a bunch of DeSantis's, like state governors will kind of become the authorities. Uh I, I, I like this idea. I just don't see it as workable until states control immigration to their state. Because if you have millions of people hopping borders and there's this hot potato thing with migrants in between states, that is going to mean that the federal government is going to decide who votes in state elections necessarily. And they'll be able to manipulate that. All right. Well, to be continued. And we got t the tiddling turtle here. Not a super chat, but I tilting. have tilting. Tilting. I had to say it. Hey, Dave, tell us. Uh, hey, Leb, tell Dave I think he's hot. Now I'm going to turn that around. That's my wife. Hey, Dave, I think, uh, tell Lev I think he's hot. That That's the, uh, that's what it's <laughs> okay. going to be from now on. Uh, anyway, okay. Sounds good. anyway, we got the super chats over here. So SNES and MT Menil, $5 with the holidays coming up. I need new arguments to use at the dinner table. Thank you both. Uh, so I will pass that thanks along to Counterpoints as well. Nathan Harger, four ninety nine Lemon Party podcast fan here, big fan of the R word. Do you know Lemon Party by the way, Dave? No. Uh, Lemon Party. Uh... Go to uh, lemonparty.org right now. Make sure it's full screen so that everybody. everybody okay. Sees okay. It. I have no idea what that is, so I'm sorry. I have no idea what Lemon Party is. Okay. Well, hopefully it's not something that's bad. All right. Find out about Lemon Party later on. You know, it's a very influential political party, but uh, the podcast is also called Lemon Party. That this guy has a name, um, and he was the producer of the Tim Dillon show. You know Tim Dillon. I'm no? so out of the loop. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all right. You, your mind is full of other things. Uh, but uh, great podcast, Lemon Party. I highly recommend everybody to check it out. It has absolutely nothing to do with politics. It's just kind of, you know, friends getting together and, you know, just riffing and being retarded. And it's re really fun. Anyway, uh, Giga Mango Fanta, $5. America is not a liberal democracy, but rather a constitutional republic, which engages in limited democracy to elect its leadership what say you dave a limited to democracy to elect its leadership uh what does he call this again i'm trying to find the super chat here um well i don't know i mean limited democracy has some problems with it in the sense that it's still manipulatable by demographic change and the other thing is, is it's like it's not really necessarily the function of voting that's always the problem if it's restricted in the way this person is implying it's the mythology of democracy the the idea that what gives the government its legitimacy is the fact that a lot of a, a lot of bodies inside the country uh, endorsed its policies 
And while it's very, very important for the government to have the loyalty of the people and to feel like they embody the people's interests, this idea that ultimately the policy decisions come from the, the, the bodies that occupy the physical state, that's what I see as being uh, the, the problem. Because the bodies that occupy the physical state don't own the decisions, ultimately. Very few of them do. So that's why most historic democracies, quote unquote, or republics have been very limited franchise. And I, I don't know, maybe you could make this this sort of mass democracy work, but it's very hard to see how in an era like ours, in my opinion. Hmm. Anyway, next super chat. No, that is something to think about. Uh, we got Glass Cake, by the way, who is a uh, patron of uh, the Lev's Lens Substack. So if you guys want, I know that there are Substack fans of Dave here. If you guys check out levslens.com, you will not be disappointed. Glass Cake is a paying member of that, and he says, establish the American house of common, of common good or common God. I don't know which one he meant there. I guess, Dave, I don't know if you are for the position of having an American house of common God or not. Oh, no, no. Those, that, I highly advise against generalized religion. Uh, generalized religion is like Christian rock. It ruins both the Christianity oh, and the rock. Oh, no, so that's, I don't think we should have general. Being, I don't think like ecumenical religions I, never work. Right? I, I was such an idiot. That's not what he wrote. Glass cake okay. wrote establish, establish the American house of commons. God damn it. I didn't see the oh. S after commons. So the common God, what the, all right. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't see how that's so different than like the house of representatives, but I mean, you know, the, 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 the English version of this worked because of a common form of aristocracy and noblesse oblige that was part of that culture for five or six or seven hundred years since the Norman invasion of England. And that was able to successfully transform into something that looked kind of Republican in the 17th century. So I, I don't know if you could replicate that. It's very difficult. Yeah, it is awfully tempting, though, because... Think of all the good things that we got from having this kind of republicanism. I mean, we are still living at a very unprecedented time in history. I mean, the fact that we're able to communicate like this during the Norman Conquest, they didn't have this ability. So I'm just saying, let's not take for granted the kind of freedoms that we have to enable us to do this. And thinking like, and I'm, and I'm not putting words in your mouth. I don't know if this is not what <laughs> no, you're I, saying. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a borderline Luddite sometimes. So I'm, I'm thinking like, Look, if, if you can get family life, if you can fix family formation and family life in the West, then I'll start being grateful to my Republican ancestors. But if, if the idea is you're going to dump an iPhone on my lap and then have a generation that abolishes itself through low birth rates or no birth rates, I, in, in the grand scales of history, I find it difficult to be grateful for that, even though it feels good while you're experiencing the decline. So... I'd still look at it as birthing pangs because the fact that we were able to achieve this, if we compare it to any other time in history, just that is impressive. The birthing pangs, I'd say, are, you know, having all these kids that are glued to their fucking iPads. Those are the birthing pangs. Those are the things that we have to work out. But just, like, step back for a second and observe how amazing it was what we were able to create and, like, you know, with the Industrial Revolution and with the... electricity internet and all of that you know it's kind of a wonder that we were able to do it but at the same time i think 
I don't think we would have been able to accomplish this if we would have just had like all of these lords that were lording over their peasants and the peasants had all their holy holidays and they were living, you know, like this life that I think people wrongly assume to be idyllic. I don't know, would you say, and this is kind of a side conversation, but I find it interesting, would you say that that peasant life in compared to now was idyllic? I just think it's kind of like looking at the past with rose-colored glasses too. I mean, I, I think peasant life as it actually was in like the 13th century probably would be horrific because of the lack of things like penicillin. I think that there is a case for simpler living like some of the Mennonites do. We sometimes call them Amish or whatever. Like, I don't think that everyone could do that, but I think like they emphasize things in their culture that I envy and I think are much more high than the, the materialistic ideas that we have right now in our culture. And I, I'm guilty of it. I'm, I, you know, I indulge in nerd hobbies that I'm ashamed of. Uh, and, you know, but, but I, I, uh, I, I do see that as higher. I mean, growing pains are good, but, Growing pains imply growth. And when I look at my own generation, the millennials, I see us regressing. I see us becoming less mature over time. And I, I want to see, I mean, some people can become more mature over time, right? But the generation itself has, has essentially fallen back into kind of infantile habits as, as it's entered its 30s in, in a lot of ways, especially after COVID. So the, the growing pains actually have to correspond with some amount of growth and ownership. And a lot of this is the fact that the baby boomers aren't retiring and there's economic problems, but well, maybe uh, that's... there's a lot of learned helplessness, man. Learned helplessness. That's the, that is sure. the telltale sign of everything going wrong, but I will shut up now. No, but maybe that's the ultimate challenge here because I think it's actually much easier to grow when you have a lot of pressure that's on you from you know, no choice of your own when you have to survive, you know, in the elements where your family dies of easily preventable diseases that does kind of force you to either, you know, adapt and grow or die. But when you're in the situation where you see people around you that are not maturing fast enough and that are succumbing to a lot of these online addictions, in a way, I think it's a lot harder because, you have the opportunity if you want to just fuck off and, you know, live on welfare and to just like be a neat and to just like stare at the computer screen all day. But at the same time, you also have the opportunity like, you know, the Buddha had, you know, the Buddha didn't have to go out into the uh, woods and meditate. He could have just like lived in the lap of luxury. And instead he decided to take a harder, you know, more ascetic path. So now yeah, I think that, that, that founded, a religion and maybe even a civilization exactly civilization. exactly so that's but what like i'm that, saying like, that, it's like that that's that's the carlylean like the the moses on the mount uh, moses at sinai buddha under the tree these are the carlyle or you know abraham uh, david at the temple these are the carlylean moments that bound civilizations and peoples and, you know, those are the, that's the kind of thing that you would need for America or Canada to become a people out of many. Uh, the, the managerial thing where you try to like, you know, regulate everyone into agreement. I don't think that that's how this occurs. Right. And. No, you know. need, you need responsible elites. 
I'd say it's very dangerous to have one elite that everybody sucks up to like they do with President Putin. But if you have responsible elites who can work behind the scenes and kind of maintain a certain level for other people to emulate by hook or by crook, then I think you got something. And when you're in a situation like we are right now, when you can go to Libgen, you can download pretty much any work of literature or, you know, any uh, nonfiction book in existence. And you can gain access to so much information you could compare the ability to do that with what most people are using the internet for. Most people are using the internet for the complete opposite, just to waste their mind. So that, I'd say, is the ultimate example of somebody with all the opportunities in the fucking world at their fingertips and the ability to change reality from using them wisely as opposed to just being like probably 99% of the people and wasting time on this thing. So that's why I'm saying, like, yes... It's not a great time for most people because most people are going to be sucked into the Matrix. You know, I don't want to go like mm -hmm. Andrew Tate here we're talking about the fucking Matrix, but you get what I'm seeing, right? Like, no, you, yeah, yeah. So that would be my white, white, my white pill for the night, ladies and gentlemen. That we do have this opportunity. But anyway, I'm gonna get done with the super chats over here. Uh, well, any final thoughts on that? By the way, I uh, know. Well, let's get to the more super chats. I uh, want to beat a dead horse. Here we go, vile. Van Gogh. I like that. Vile Van Gogh. Ten dollars. Big fan of Dave, but don't get the disdain and hostility hostility towards Counter. He's less liberal brained than some of the characters you talk to in your past. Is it because his name sounds like Contra? Uh no, you are right. I got I feel a little bit bad for exploding on counterpoints and getting triggered by him. But this is a pretty easy answer. I I I enjoy talking to progressives because I I believe that they're religious believers in a different faith than mine. What triggers me is when I get and this might not be true of counterpoints, but the way he talks implies it's true. Whenever I feel like I'm interacting with a performance, or whenever I get the sense that I'm being debate gamed in like the destiny sense. I feel like I'm talking to a non-believer and it's not the political opinion or the religious belief that triggers me. It's the belief being put forward as a belief when it's not a belief that triggers me. And uh, that's kind of why I, I got overly emotional in this conversation. I'm not saying that it's true about counterpoints, but the way he was speaking implied it was, and that tends to irritate me when I feel like I'm being game. Like, I won't say fucked with, but you know, uh, when, when that sort of mode comes into play in a debate, I kind of get a lot more hostile. Well, it was, uh, it was fun to see two gentlemen with a beer, three gentlemen with beards. You know, we got a similar style going on here that we're just going at each other. Uh, glass cake, by the way, uh, again, a great, uh, patron of the, uh, Lev, uh, Substack, which is levslens.com new right for the constitution, freedom of sniff. Just got, yeah. had to get that out there. The <laughs> old Biden. the yeah. old sniff posting. Uh, next one over here. We got two left. And the max, $5. Big fan of Dave. He's clearly correct about demographic destiny. How do civic nationalists just ignore historical evidence? Also, have Dave on more. Well, I definitely want to have you on more. We got we to gotta do another one here. Yeah. I, I have a hard schedule sometimes to organize these things, but... Uh, I have this weird thing where I give 
I make time if it's someone I really disagree with more than I make time for people I really like. No, so don't worry. I'll, I'll bring I, it's people funny, you it's really I don't disagree think with. On, on, on paper, counterpoints, and I don't disagree on a lot. It's the style that's so fundamentally different between him and I and our emotional attitudes towards these things uh, that's so different and but that triggers me. The, the cultural difference highly triggers me. Um, but uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, demographics, I mean, you can make new peoples out of two pre-existing ones, right? But this has to be done very carefully and over a very long period of time. And that's not what's, that's nothing like this is occurring right now. So all we're doing is accumulating these close proximity differences like we are accumulating debt and it's going to explode. And, you know, I, I don't really feel good about being in the radius of that explosion. One other thing I wanted to mention before I forget with uh, Britain, for example, because uh, Glass Cake is from Britain, and his observation was that there was a very big difference between how the uh, migrants from uh, Pakistan are versus the uh, Hindus. And that's always been very interesting for me to look at because the migrants of Pakistan, they've usually been a lot like, uh, you know, who were in these uh, rape gangs and various other troublesome things have been coming out of that community within England, but not so for the uh, Hindus uh, from India. And, well, probably because yeah. they're they're higher, they're from a higher caste, the ones that are going from India. Well, but yeah, regardless of higher caste or low caste, the idea is that if you are of a certain, let's say, blood or genetic profile, it's different. Yet you follow not not just the rules, but also you want to ingratiate yourself to the British crown, to you know Queen Elizabeth, well now King Charles. But you you, you get what I'm saying, right? Like I think that there has always been, or at least uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here this striving that a lot of these, as you say, maybe higher caste, I don't know, Indians have had towards the British way of life with like, you know, tea, crumpets or whatever, kind of incorporating certain things, even beyond the tea and crumpets, just like having that appreciation for what exactly Britain is, what exactly the system is and how people greet each other and, you know, certain little traditional idioms kind of incorporating those into themselves. So I'm talking things way beyond just like football or, you know, shit like that. So would you agree that when it comes to the Indians in your observation that would be the case in Britain. Well, I it's it's hard to say. Like Indians in California are like the world's best demographic because they all have like 120 IQ and they're all like programmers and you know in Silicon Valley. So there's obviously a huge selection bias going on here. What, what I'm really concerned about is the the internal story that these Hindus have about themselves. Uh, there's a number of problems with Hindu immigrants, even if they are very, very high earning and they obey the rules. The first one is they have a different religion. The second one is that they have a somewhat legitimate grievance against the native Anglo-Saxon population. And you can see this if you look at Anglo, uh, Anglo-Indians, Indians that have come and lived in, in Britain, the ones that first come in in uh, like the early 1900s they're basically like british men with brown skin and then you get to the generations we have currently and these people have obvious active grievances against the west generally and you know it's like ash sarkar right 
you know, let, let me avenge the Indian culture that I hate for other reasons. It's like a, a summary of Ashokar's attitude, right? She, she hates Indian culture, but she's really bitter about the fact that it was impoverished under British rule in India. And, um, like, but, but these grievances, these stories of grievance are going to be what I look for because the thing is, is that they, that, that, these cultures currently, they're loyal to the government because the government's making them much richer than they would be in their home countries, and they're very aware of that. What happens when they have to be loyal to a government that might make them poorer than they otherwise would be? What's going to keep them in line then? It's going to have to be some kind of story. It's going to be. It's going to have to be some kind of understanding about themselves. It's going to have to be some kind of common faith. And I'm not so sure what that is. And so while they're very wonderful people and while they increase the civilization and they have high discipline and high mindedness of their own kind, you know, a lot of them literally are Brahmins, uh, that difference is going to be a perennial difference until they either mix into the population or another civic religion, another real religion, I should say, because you need to have real religion before you have civic religion. Wait, you're, are, are you saying the Sanatana Dharma is not a real religion? The, oh, uh, it's a real religion, but it's not one that is well integrated into the British state's story about itself. Hmm. Uh, the, the, those those Dharmic religions are all highly dependent on the understanding of, of a caste system and your place within it, or your understanding of of, of, of a people that is decidedly not <laughs> British. And so I, I don't know how you get from the Bhagavad Gita to loyalty to Charles I or anything like that. Uh, no, I, I know exists, how you do it. You I just say that like he's a reincarnation of Vishnu and you're good. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, Charles I is very far away from being a reincarnation of Vishnu. Although, <laughs> you know, I, 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 when he appears, uh, you know, in, in, in Chariot with a, with a golden bow, we can talk or something. But the, Sounds I, don't good. I don't know if they really want to see that. All right, final super chat of the night from nerve amv maker uh amv i guess stands for anime music video once again uh five dollars assimilation is happening new immigrants are being assimilated into yeah. the black and native american experience yeah so new america you'll see this a lot too especially in england like the original person who migrates over will be a loyal subject of the crown who happens to be indian and their children will be all like fuck the british empire for the imperialism of the british raj or whatever or they'll be islamists uh and this is because the grievance politics that rules are the academy is so strong but then, that you'll but have then people so that come from and they'll assimilate into high like asians do this too like you go to okay. berkeley like asians in berkeley like the, these are the richest population in the entire united states the richest demographic subcategory and all their kids are like let's tear down the west but here but here's something that i think you're missing here you know some of the biggest proponents of that shit are also wasps are also self-hating wasps oh yeah it comes it comes i mean yes right it comes from the the self so then what are we even talking about here so then the problem with that indian lady that you were saying that is the symptom of the same disease that's currently in our university system and that's something that should be that should be rallied against. And I think people are, you know, like with certain things that are happening, at least at a local level with the United States, the parents going to the school boards, like give it time. Like I know you're being impatient here and I understand Yo, your I'm, reason. I'm, for... I'm worried about It's like, okay, so I know you have, you have people who are like 130 IQ self-hating. So the 130 IQ white social justice warrior, right? And then the, the 130 
like Indian social justice warrior, right? Like they're both kind of similarly idiotic, bad ideas, right? But the thing is that there is like, there's a feedback loop in the Indian's case that does not exist with the social justice warrior who's lost. So the social justice warrior who's a wasp goes back for Thanksgiving. She tells all this grievance politics shit to her, like, you know, beer swilling relatives who are, you know, ADIQ knuckle draggers. And they're like, shut the F up, you know, you liberal, you know, I'm not going to buy any of that. Uh, you have the Ashar car types go back and tell a similar story of racial grievance to their ADIQ knuckle dragging people. Uh, that's not going to push back. That's going to feed forward, right? That's going to get. That's that's how you get the kind of demotic reactions uh, that you get in something like you know, the the grievance politics that's intellectualized when it, when it when that gets fed into people who are of much lower IQ. Uh, the the hum, it's human nature to play along with it if you're the aggrieved party and you're the party that, that stands to gain from some kind of redress of these grievances through something like reparations. And that's how you have like high IQ concepts of reparations emerge in Berkeley and Harvard. And then they obtain their low IQ version in the streets of New York, where it's like, I'm going to, you know, strike back against my racial oppressor because X, Y, and Z. You have all these people who are like black nationalists. These people are, you know, high on fentanyl. They have none of the concepts, but they're echoing thoughts that they got secondhand from, from intellectual people higher up the food chain. So what I'm saying here is that you have to be very, very careful about these racial divisions when grievance politics becomes involved because the the children that get the grievance politics at the higher level will feed this down to people who don't understand it in this intellectual way and you'll get this really really ugly shit that will i mean it's going to do what humans naturally do right it's going to create racial politics that that are highly destructive and and disordered and and this is what people are afraid of i'm i'm personally concerned about this you see this in south africa too right which is where like that's where the rubber is really hitting the road well, I've had a conscious car recall, uh, Ernst uh, Van Zyl, on my show uh, several times, including an episode with uh, him and uh, – you know him, right? No, I'm a huge fan of him, and I, oh, I, I've been promising a lecture forever, and I just realized mm. that I've totally not given him one, but All right, yeah, now, I'm a big uh, fan. Yeah, now you remember. So I had an episode with him and Coleman Hughes, and uh, you know Coleman as well? Uh, yeah, more vaguely. I, I'm aware uh, of his work. In yeah, look him up. He's like a classically uh, liberal uh, – a uh, black gentleman who uh, was very young, I think, like in his uh, early or mid-20s. And we had a very interesting conversation, I guess, about similar themes having to do with liberalism. And what I think it comes down to is that regardless of skin color, regardless of uh, you know nationality, you could say IQ or whatever, somebody like Coleman, Ernst, and myself we were able to have a dialogue and understand each other. And if we were neighbors, I think we would have absolutely zero. Pro I mean, I'm not saying anything to you that you don't already know. I know your mm -hmm. problems concern more the uh, masses. But the reason why I mentioned that is I think it's going to be up to people who are going to be the potential elites of the future to, regardless of where they are from, to kind of gather up through these online communities. I'm not saying I'm going to do whatever. I'm not going to touch that. No, right I'm, now. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm looking, there needs to be some 
leaders of these communities that genuinely want the best for their communities. I, no, I look at someone I, I like Malcolm say, X, and I think that no, that's no, a no, great No, no, but I wouldn't leader, say right? Coleman like, Hughes is like a representative. I don't think he's like the leader of the black community or whatever. No, I know that's, he isn't, but I'm saying that like, you know, responsible leaders do need to lead these communities, right? Like, sure. I, I see the current people who quote unquote run the black community and these people are like con artists right <laughs> they, they get they get paid to tell the system what it wants to hear and then they they abscond with all the funding that they get sure, like sure you know you had a scandal that was emerged just this week with the ibrahim Gundy, like the most predictable thing of all time right yeah maybe in the future he's gonna get all that money and start like a uh like a bar and he'll call it the candy bar but anyway so I, that... this is the problem like, i think Kendi would be better if he, I, this sounds weird to say, but Kendi would be better if he loved his own African people more because he'd be more concerned about their well-being. Uh, I don't think he's, I think he cares about selling more books and selling his product and and that involves making white people feel guilty. But, but Kendi is more concerned about white people feeling guilty than, you know, a new generation of proud Africans coming uh, or proud African families having healthy children that are able to create a civilized and ordered society. I think we could both agree that that's uh, the direction we uh, should all be headed. And the final super chat here, we just got Dave Wirtz, uh, five USD. Great show. Dave, what are your black pill, white pill takes on fertility? Well, that's going to be a long one. Uh, unless it's you not think that you long. I mean, you know, all right. I mean, the, the only country that solved this is Israel, right? And it's solved this by essentially having two countries, one that's Orthodox Jewish and the other one that's secular Jewish living in the same way and then farming one out of the other. That's, I think that's true. That's true. Actually. I think yeah. that actually that's probably going to be, that is actually a stable model for the future of humanity. <laughs> Like I think that in in your like have zone, like the Amish lay yeah. like egg layers and the Mormons and all that and then uh, is that what yeah you're I'm actually not ironically right I mean if you have eight kids right yeah. it's all a few of them can become professionals to have yeah. one kid or zero kids and it's all I, I mean that's why the secular Jews and, tolerate a lot of the Hasidic uh, crazy so much because you know like they know that there's going to be people that kind of come out of there and will join like rest of the civilization and not have to you know be within like their ghettos where they write graffiti warning people not to go online yeah and i think that like yarm harzoni who you don't know you do you know that guy he's like uh no uh, oh really you don't he's uh no. he, he runs this conference called the national conservative conference he's a he's a non-ultra orthodox orthodox jew i think he's an israeli citizen i'm not sure but he's like trying to come up with this alternative nationalism for everyone plan uh and he a lot of my far right friends know him and he seems like the nicest guy in the world uh but but i think like he has i think he doesn't really understand all of the problems we're dealing with in non-israel countries but he's got his heart in the right place mm. i'll give that to him here and you know for fertility i mean i don't know we're, we're, we're i have a friend a blogger called black horse who works with um one of our organizations, the Beowulf Foundation, he has the saying, we're experiencing what's called a genetic bottleneck. And during this bottleneck, an incredibly small number of people are going to carry their genes through the next generation. And then once we get through this bottleneck, which will involve solving the social security collapse and the birth rate crops, because they're the same problem, then we'll normalize to a new system where people will, will have more children. But we're going to have to figure out what the heck works. 
And everyone's goal should be to be part of those few people who actually contribute to the next generation genetically or in a positive mimetic way, as Dawkins would say. Well, mimetic-wise, I would also say that one of the things that I found Israel has going for it as well is they aren't like this ethnostate, like I think a lot of right-wing people assume, where their second language in parliament is Arabic, where a lot of you know their army it has you know people who are of Arabian descent, some of whom are Jewish, some of whom are you know sometimes Muslim as well. But the idea still here is that there is this civic nationalist idea that's kind of covered up by this LARPing of a uh, Jewish state. So at least that's the impression that I get of what's going on. Obviously, I mean they do have a yeah. Jewish state, right? I mean, it's a Jewish state. That's great. Yeah, but Why it's not? like yeah, but it's like you got to do a little song and dance, you know, and then okay, now you're Jewish. Now you get to go go and live in Israel. It's not as difficult as people think it is. So it's I think I it's, mean from the outside, it looks like it's working to me. <laughs> I would find that no, but here's the thing: the way that it works is that you don't have like these very regimented laws that say, you know, because you are of this DNA, you are never allowed to be part of this. Because like I said before, I think things like that create rifts and they create fifth columns. Instead, what you have is certain tendencies to like, yeah, you know, we're Jewish. And like, if you really, really want to be Jewish, you got to like do all this stuff. But then, hey, now you're Jewish and that's good. And that way, I think, is the best way because you end up judging people not by these things that they have no control over, but precisely by things they do have control over. Yeah, and that's yeah but I, I, I to say this here, like, Lev, I actually kind of agree with you. But like the framing you're examining this problem in, I just think it's fundamentally like it's true, but I think you're looking at it the wrong way. I don't want to be condescending. Like we're looking at this through the mode of policy, and what makes Israel work isn't policy. What makes Israel work is that I have never met an Israeli who did not believe that the Jewish people were a thing, and then they needed to continue on into the future. And when I talk to Germans, and when I talk to French people, and when I talk to my own native Californians, they don't. And so it's like Ibn Khaldun, Ibn Khaldun, the famous Arab philosopher, he had this concept called asabaya, right? Asabaya, the belief in your own people's vitality. And Israel has some of the asabaya, and the West has absolutely freaking none. And we can reformulate this spiritual deficiency in the West in policy terms like you're just doing. But the problem is, is that what we're taking is a spiritual problem that exists in these people. And then we're, we're re-describing its results in policy as a second-order consequence. Like I said, like we have this conversation about policy with counterpoints. On paper, policy-wise, counterpoints, and I do not disagree but the thing is, is that I understand that the problem that we're dealing with right now is a fundamental issue with being able to assert ourselves as, as believers in a faith and as carriers forward of a people. The faith one being the more important because it operates as a predecessor to the latter, uh, which is why secular Judaism itself isn't sustainable, but I'm not going to get into that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like as Israel demonstrates, right? You need to farm your guys off of the, the people who believe, right? Um, and, and that's the thing. Like we can agree on policy, but until Europeans and Westerners believe both in God and in their collective role in the future, then all of the policy in the world isn't going to make a hell of beans difference. And, and, and that's, that's why I always say like, this is a war of belief, right? It's it's a war of belief, and and that's the fundamental thing, right? Well, all I'm going to say now is to be continued because I think this is a very interesting conversation where it can go from here. You guys have got to find out on the next 
episodes to come of break the rules the only show where we bring people together and again like policy wise i get what you're saying but the fact that they do have like a leeway for other like non-jews to become jews super oh, no, I, duper important super I, duper I, important. I i believe in respecting minorities i'm a big believer in respecting minority populations in your country but <laughs> different issue and you know not we'll, we'll say that you you do not a lot of people do, especially those young ones with that whole bloodlust, and you know that. And I well, know young young men are going to be young men. That's one thing we've. And there will always be an Andrew Tate. There will always be an Andrew. And that's England. why dictators always, are dangerous because they can use all those young men and you know ha- wreak havoc. You know that. You know <laughs> I, that. No, you're you're you're, bl- you're blaming monarchy for something that's always present in all societies. There always will be people who feed men's. Uh, sure. sexual and bloodlust and they will sure. always exist there they exist in israel too right so look you know that's the reality and uh you know this had to deal with it we got to work it out in such a way as to prevent the most the most bloodlust from coming out in the worst ways right i think we could definitely agree on that mm-hmm all right, yeah, I'm sorry I, I got so spicy on your stream, but no, no, uh, so... I love the spice. Let the spice flow. That's what oh, I said. Okay, well, sounds good, man. Thanks where for having could, me. Okay, on. and where could people find you before we go? Oh, One last. Oh yeah, plug I'm here. on the Distributist on YouTube, and I'm Fiddler's Green in uh, Substack. And again, I'm part of a broader community that writes about this stuff. Uh, so we're we're around. I'm sure you'll see a lot of us in the future because these ideas are growing in prominence. So, yeah, that's right. that's my work. And before we go, patreon.com slash break the rules. Become, listen, if you guys want this to keep going, become a patron right now. And if you're in New York City, if you become a $20 patron, you are going to get invited to a lot of these exclusive events and also exclusive online events as well. If you are outside of New York City, uh, MP3s of the episodes after they come out. And lastly, go to levslens.com. That is the site for my Substack. Look at my Substack articles. Dave, if you haven't had a chance to read my latest one about Elon Musk and the ADL, I highly and uh, Keith Woods. I highly recommend to who deleted his entire, by the way, archive on. I don't know if it was, he deleted the Internet Archive or if Elon Musk asked the Internet Archive to delete his entire Twitter history. Like, could you delete your entire Twitter? I, history? I have a, a personal friend of mine who who never wants me to speak the name of Mr. Woods in public. So, out <laughs> <laughs> of respect for him, I've kind of stared around this uh, this particular controversy with him and the ADL. So, yeah, no, that's uh, not that's not even my point. Even though I write about it, my main point is if you go to archive.org, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but I'm curious if anybody else does. If you go to archive.org, would you be able to request your Twitter, now called X, internet history to be deleted? I. I don't know. It seems like you'd have to have an in, right? Didn't yeah. what was that what was that uh, journalist for the Atlantic that everyone makes fun of? Um uh, she, Taylor Lorenz. Taylor, didn't she get her internet history purged by the Yeah, cuz who... her cuz her daddy or grandfather or uncle whoever uh, owns it. Well, I mean, so... I guess maybe maybe you have to have that, right? Yeah, so... well, all that I'm saying is that if this particular individual right now, if he's out of all the fucking people, if he's the one that Elon picks for being the go-to guy to talk about the ADL and then his entire history of anti-Semitism, except for bits that I was able to find and put in my article, by the way, were completely hidden by the Internet Archive, that tells me that there is a bigger conspiracy afoot. But anyway, I will leave you guys to that. Levslens.com, that's where you go. That's the substack. Read the, read the article today. 